Well, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? Yeah, I like football. I like football season. All the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson, in a very special time slot here, live on YouTube here, Wednesday morning, day before Thanksgiving, it's 9 a.m. here on YouTube. Tell your friends, this is the uh, the second and final PFF NFL podcast of the week. Yeah, because it's Thanksgiving. Because it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Sam. Mm-hmm. And happy Thanksgiving to all those out there listening to us who celebrate, mostly Americans, maybe people uh, overseas as well. Celebrating. You were watching the World Cup earlier. Gave some very insightful comments. I was. Shoot. That was kind of thing. Illegal man downfield. That too, yeah. I thought there was Offside a, there was a goal people. that I could execute. I did, they, did, they up, did they uphold it? No. no. It was ruled out. Offside. Would explain why I could also kick it in there. It was illegal. I also think that's optimistic. I'm not sure you would have scored that. I'm pretty sure I could have kicked the... Oh, here we go. I mean, that's, could, be, could be a challenge. Oh, I'm working on that. I was telling you about this. I have, I have some irons in the fire, as they say. Um, so email us in for the next charity suggestion. We need charities to donate to NFLpodcast at pff.com or hit us up on Twitter or whatever, um, because I think I have the challenge working. You know, I have some... We're going to be down at like FC Cincinnati or I have something some rugby like contact or contacts that I have uh, you know, coming up with some ideas. And we're going to, I think, see, see how good you are with the rugby skills. Great. They've got some suggestions. They're going to uh, potentially, you know, record some versions of what it should look like, and then we're going to see if you can replicate it. (laughs) (laughs) Those are your irons in the fire, huh? Yeah. Hmm. I think it's going to be fun. I'm sure it's going to be thrilling. We also cracked the code, by the way, of why you can't see my tweets. We did. Yeah. I discovered Uh I was not following you. Hmm. Okay. After, after, by the way, you discovered this after telling me to go into my settings and make sure I wasn't, like, accidentally screening my tweets from you somehow yeah pretty sure it, i thought it was your fault yeah why i couldn't see your tweets for the last two years and now i remember and again if we had the ability to go back through our archives yeah thousands of hours I mean, we have the we could pull this out we had it. some kind of on-air spat a couple years ago <laughs> i believe doesn't sound right and um i unfollowed you yeah and i think you know when you do that you're supposed to you know like you fake it oh i'm unfollowing you i and think i really like- went through with it and never went back and followed you yeah and then for like the last two years i've just been wondering why you never see my tweets haven't seen your tweets in two years yeah you're like hey i tweeted it i'm like mm-hmm. i just you know because you know how t- twitter curates your timeline differently across all these apps i, I just assumed it was telling me I'm, you're, you're not gonna be interested in sam's tweets yeah and i'm not because i wasn't following you but uh-huh. i'm back i'm back mm-hmm. well so we fixed that well done um you've earned a follow <laughs> so here i am i might retweet you every now and perfect again. maybe interact Great. Give you some uh, some interactions over there. All right, so we got a big show here today. We got all sixteen games. We had sixteen games. No Nobody gets week. Thanksgiving week off. There's there's late buys this year. Yeah. Did well, there's no buys this year? week, and then there's buys next week. Right. It's a. It used to be it's your chaos. buys are done by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Everybody's playing. Now it's madness. Now it's madness. No rules. So anyway, one show, sixteen games, tight two hours. We're cranking through it. You ready? Sure. All right, let's get into it. Thanksgiving, there's three games. As always, the Detroit Lions are going to play at 12.30 Eastern time. That's still the time, right? Uh, Buffalo Bills at the Lions. Bills favored 
by nine and a half, which is weird because the Lions have a three-game winning streak. They do. They have a three-game winning streak. Yeah. Good They're for They're hot. Well done. They're hot. Momentum. Making that guy's bet look good right yes. now. Yes. We had a guy's bet a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, the Lions, did he say they're going to win out? He just said they're going to win. No, he just said they're going to make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. Well, since that time, they're 3-0. and They are, which still puts them at 4-6. and six. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> it's, they're still still facing up at the playoff spots. And Detroit's turnaround started three weeks ago with the Green Bay Packers. They played a great game defensively against the Packers, intercepting Aaron Rodgers three times. The Packers, who kind of stink, by the way. Yeah, it just it felt like, oh, this is either really bad for the Packers or the Lions have turned this thing around. Yeah. But it does feel like the Lions' defense has been much better in recent weeks. Sure. But, you so know, that's, that's something to keep an eye on against this Buffalo team. What are you looking for here? Well, I'm, yeah, yeah, I would just say, you know, three-game win streak, that's, that's fine. But we're against the Packers, who aren't good, the Bears, who keep losing despite having the Justin Fields turnaround thing, and then the Giants, who everybody's been saying all season long, are, like, vastly overrated. So, yeah, well done. They were winnable games that you won. Kudos. But let's not get carried away. Now let's see if it holds against a real team. Um, and that, I think, is the big challenge for them. Like, to me, the interesting thing about this game is, is this another run-heavy game for Buffalo? To what extent was last week's dynamic on offense a designed ploy to do what you were pitching, take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands? Let's give him a break. Let's make life easier for him. Let's lean on the run game. Let's not have Superman have to do everything. Um, and to what extent did the game just go that way? And, you know, you leaned into it. This is another game where <clears throat> the, the Lions' defense is far from good. It's very far from good against the run as well. They give up an absolute ton uh, yards per attempt. So if that's your thing, this is another game where Josh Allen shouldn't have to put the ball in the air very much at all. And if that happens, generally is unlikely to turn it over. Josh like Allen break game. Yeah, 5.2 yards per carry the Lions give up on the ground, which is the third worst in the NFL behind only the Chargers and the Giants. So if you're sort of looking for places to run more, pass less, this is one of those games. It, it makes sense on paper, but then last week I thought the Lions were absolutely fantastic. Oh, they were. Like I so said, you that, know, fit in the run against the Giants. That's the weird thing, right? They're, they give up 5.2 yards per carry on the season, despite last week basically clamping down on Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Now... The Bills have a better offensive line than the Giants do, Andrew Thomas aside. So that's an effect. Um, the, I guess the, I suppose you could say rushing quarterbacks are a similar threat in terms of they're both, you have to think about them both, right? Daniel Jones and Josh Allen for very different reasons, but you can't forget about either of them as a designed part of the run game. Uh, from a Lions perspective, we mentioned on the Monday show, Alim McNeil of the 2021 draft class in year two. Yeah. Uh, 10 of his 20 pressures this season came last week against the Giants. Would it surprise you to learn that he's the only interior defensive lineman this season to have a double-digit pressure game? Wow, it would. Hmm. Look at that. It's like a trivia question. It is. You already gave the answer to it, though. Yes. It would surprise me because he had just barely double-digit pressures in the previous <laughs> 10 weeks of the season. Yeah. So he went from 10 to 20. He doubled his pressure total. That's like, you remember uh, Jordan Phillips? Jordan Phillips? Yeah. Yeah. He had that season where he had like 20 pressures, but 10 of them were sacks. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, he's the next great defensive tackle. Great, like, nah, great sack total not. guy. Yeah. yeah. So McNeil's interesting. Like, is that, a, is that a one game thing? Because we always talk about rookies and second year players, you know, turning a corner and <coughs> want to see if uh, Lynn McNeil can build off that 10 pressure outing. I mean, if, if that is a springboard for him to actually become the player they thought he was going to be, that huge. would be so huge for them. Um, because 
the lack of development from those guys, the ones they sort of drafted a year ago and were expected to form the bedrock of this improvement and development as a team, has been a big part of holding them back. If all of a sudden, Alan McNeil shows up and you've got this dominant force on the interior, that would be huge. Absolutely huge. It was the Giants. They have a terrible offensive line, so no. Also, I want to give a full disclosure on this episode. It's it's Wednesday morning. That's uh, Wednesdays usually when the injury reports first come out. Of course, the Thanksgiving games will have injury reports. Flying very blind. So we need to work together here. Um, After these Thanksgiving games, if we mention a player who by the time you listen to this, Friday, Saturday, whenever, that player is not playing, just ignore everything that we said. Yeah. Because we don't have the injury. We're not privy to the injury reports We are very much flying blind when it comes to injuries this week. But it's okay. We figured... Except for the Thursday games, to be fair. Yeah. So we've got those. Anyway, um, the other one with the the Buffalo pass rush, the edge battle against uh, Detroit's offensive tackles, particularly Patane Sewell, always Mm -hmm. a little fun to watch. A couple edge OT battles this week, right? Edge versus tackle battles to watch on Thanksgiving Day while you're in your turkey coma. So... Let's uh, let's get into some picks here. Um, I'm not going to flip a coin. Oh, so week. hang on. I, I was joking before when I said that the most powerful betting edge in football right now is picking the opposite of whatever you picked. You're going to bring some data. Yeah. So, I, you know, I decided to look it up. It's like, okay, I have the numbers. I've been tracking. I've been keeping an eye on these things. And it is a very impressive number. So let's let's check. You know, PickWatch is a website that tracks the against-the-spread picks from all these people and experts and, and so forth. Taking the opposite of your pick this season would, in fact, be the best mark that PickWatch tracks by a clear seven games. And that's giving you credit for the extra game that the coin gave you last week. If, you know, it's eight games, if we just went through what you would want to do. Which is particularly remarkable, one, because that's a staggering gap between you and the field. Two... Because you've gone three different methodologies at this point. You've done whatever your brain said you should do. You've done the exact opposite of whatever your brain said you should do. And then you flipped a coin and tracked that alongside what your brain said you should do. And all three of them have been terrible. Yeah, that's right. It's incredible. Like, mind-blowingly improbable. Yes, really is. (laughs) If we have a listener that has money to burn and doesn't mind, you know, Losing their cash should luck reverse itself at some point in the season. You would be making a fortune at this point, simply taking the opposite of whatever Steve has been picking. Pickwatch hasn't tracked me, right? They're not because we used to we used to send our picks into Pickwatch when it was just for games. I and I, I was always good. I wonder if I can get them to backfill it and reverse it. You know, please don't. The at like the fade Steve. That's like the mock draft site that takes my mock draft every year, which is what I would do, and no, then no, no. tracks it for accuracy. Right, but the difference there is that this is actually what you're trying to do. You're just yeah, failing. Yeah, except the time I, you know, I, there's a Costanza in there. There's the coin flip, like you but said. But those didn't help. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, exactly. Didn't help. You already did that because your picks were so bad to well, start the Costanza, with. Well, if you give me credit for the Costanza week and flip the, now oh, that'd be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> let's, make, let's make a pick here. Okay. What if I just take a week off? So, so hang on. I haven't checked these. I haven't what if updated I just pass, these this like morning. it's the SAT? It's still nine and a half. All right. Nine and a half here. Bills or Lions? Uh, hmm. I'm not putting any thought into it. I'm just putting a team. <laughs> yeah, where are you going? Buffalo's coming back. No, Detroit. Buffalo, right? Buffalo's coming back. Detroit home dog. Everybody's like, Thanksgiving. You got to take the Lions or Cowboys on Thanksgiving. It's tradition. Oh, God. I, 
I kind of like Detroit to make this into a bit of a shootout. So, oh, I'm going to hate this, but I'm going to go with the Lions to cover that. Yeah. Lions might be able to run against Buffalo a little bit, the way they've been. I think they can have success both running and passing. Like I actually genuinely think their offense can move the ball against Buffalo. It's just a case of whether their offense uh, or whether Buffalo's offense really lets rip or if they lean into this. I, I think this could end up being a close game. But then I'm taking Buffalo, so you'll probably be right. I'm going with Detroit. It's equally plausible, though, that this ends up being one of you those You should games. just take the opposite of what I do. Right, where the Lions just don't score, you know? And you're like, eh. Okay. Also possible. All right, I'm in. Detroit, I'm committed. If you do want to bet the uh, opposite of what I want to bet, mm-hmm. DraftKings Sportsbook, Perfect. an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when telling you to bet on the NFL this holiday season. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Telling you where to go. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and they get $150 in free bets if they do. So check it out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. You go to DraftKings Sportsbook, place the same-game parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, in the show notes, there are way more uh, numbers for gambling addiction, assigned to states. There's way more states involved. There's way more there. So I'm glad that I don't have to read that fine print any longer. But go check it out um, if you need to in the show notes. You want to federalize the, uh, the help system. I've said yeah. that before. Hmm. I don't know if the federal government should control a lot, but at least consolidating <laughs> all of the gambling numbers is definitely something I feel like we can, uh, we can pass that off. Okay. You know, save us, save us a lot of time and effort. <laughs> we need a national number right. for this, I, not hope me. Sounds like you're the guy to get it done. Get out that to your list of things you're never going to do, along with the watches and whatever else you're supposed to do. Don't be bitter. <laughs> the guy who runs the Hall of Fame here is out. So all it's right. you now. I'll just I'll buy us some watches, all right? The PFF <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah, you're going to need the... Let's take this off air. You're going to need somebody's card that has a bigger limit than you do. That's a good point. New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Here's your four-whatever game. Cowboys favored by nine. Four-whatever game. Yeah. Perfect. When do you eat your uh, Thanksgiving dinner, Sam? Whenever Is it dinner? Cooked. Is it lunch? I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, efficient enough to like plan out the cooking time. Like, I throw it on the grill. I have a meat thermometer in it. Whenever it's done, it's done. Whenever it's done, it's done. I'm not planning it. You know what I mean? No people coming over or anything? No. No, no friends? No, no No. friends. You can come over to our house if you want. No. Okay, good. You got four kids. It's a lot. Four kids. Can't handle it. Yes, parents are driving in. Yeah. Yeah. I can't can't handle that even as a visiting situation, you know? So, we need a time. All I'm saying is we usually eat, like, you know, early afternoon or whatever. So, by the time this game rolls around, you know, this uh, this is turkey nap time. Giants, Giants, Cowboys. Yeah. yeah, Nap or waking up from the nap type of deal. You know what this is also? It's around the time of the year where you get the full beauty of the design of Jerry World, where the sun is streaming in through the far windows like a laser beam out of the Death Star, blinding the team on offense, looking in that direction. Like It, 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 ha- it starts to happen earlier in the year, but this is like peak period where... I don't know if it was last year or the year before. There's a play where uh, he's running something to Cedric uh, Cedric Wilson, 
and Wilson like runs a hitch or something, turns, looks for the ball, and sears the retinas out of his face. Like just turns, you see him like, you see the moment his eyes melt from his head, you know, looks up and then goes, ah! and Fred Warner, the, Fred Warner like pre-snap is like this, trying to see what's going on. So anyway, that's the thing to look for in this game. At some point, somebody's going to be blinded. Look for the sun. What's yeah. the weather report in Dallas? Make sure there's enough sun there that's going to be uh, peeking through there. Nine points here for Dallas. The Giants' offense in particular, really banged up. Wondell Robinson, the their second-round pick, coming off a pretty good few weeks here. Nine-point favorites for the team, for teams with the same record, essentially, in the same division. Well, yeah. I mean, we've, we've known this. But um, Wondell's going to be placed. He was placed on injured reserve with a knee. Was it ACL the other day? Um, right tackle, Evan Neal's questionable. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, technically questionable here. I think he'll go. But the Giants are really banged up. You get a Dory Jackson out MCL sprain last week against the Lions at corner. A lot of injuries for a Giants team that, again, was already probably going to be overmatched here against the Cowboys. Yeah, so when you look at how last week went, it's very difficult to see how this week goes well for the Giants. You know, other than the fact that this is the NFL and weird things happen every week. Like, for example, the Lions randomly showing up and turning up with a, with an amazing run defense despite allowing like five and a half yards per carry last week shouldn't have happened. There's nothing to suggest that that was on the cards. So when you look on the one hand, the best pass rush in the NFL, best pressure rate in the league, very uh, a great amount of depth for Dallas, the, the pressure they can bring to the table, a ton of stunts, a ton of uh, blitzes. Them doing to Minnesota what they did last week. And then you look, well, the Giants have a much worse offensive line than Minnesota. Uh, that doesn't feel great. And then the fact that the Giants' run game got shut down by Detroit, and Dallas has a much better run defense than Detroit, even if Dallas is struggling, you're like, well, those two things put together scream absolute disaster for this Giants' offense. So you have to assume that those are both extremes, but even if you regress it back to the mean somewhere, like Dallas is overmatched on that side of the ball. You're kind of looking at it saying, the one thing I would love to get out of this game is if we just saw Micah Parsons versus Andrew Thomas one-on-one all game long, but then why would Dallas do that? Like, well, I could go against the best left tackle in the league over here, or on the other side, I either have Evan Neal or Tyree Phillips. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you might, uh, you might sucker the Giants into leaving Thomas one-on-one, opening yeah. things up for other people, you know, against against lesser. I mean, you you always want to just mix it up, keep offenses guessing. It's just like, you know, the Nick Bosa, the, the 49ers played somebody the other week and like Nick Bosa is one of those guys who moves around depending on the matchup and stuff. It's like you could bang your head against a brick wall and go up against an elite left tackle and that's great for everyone watching. Oh, but the guy on the other side is a chump. Why why go against him every play? Because you because you're all, because you're more likely to get help for your lesser tackle, and then the better tackle's facing a lesser rusher. So you could actually theoretically Right, but you will destroy the lesser tackle every play. Like, but and you will probably destroy the you help. You won't if they're giving him help. You can't. You can, you, and then you leave Andrew Thomas on an island with someone else. But either way, Dallas stunts so much, it's really not as simple as Mike Parsons one-on-one all the time. One thing we didn't discuss, I mean, it's, it's really tough when you come out of a two-hour-plus two show on a Monday. It's like, man, we really it's forgot stuff. Uh, we forgot to mention Micah Parsons getting hurt in the 40-3 to game. Yep. Um, people being afraid that, uh-oh, this is bad. He's walking off, and then... And then gets sent back in. He comes back, he's healthy, and then they put him back into the 40-3 to game despite yes. having a game here on Thursday. Mind-blowing decision. It was... Uh, so Parsons, he's banged up, but he was 
healthy enough to get back. Particularly, by the way, with both of those teams, Minnesota and Dallas, playing on Thursday. Like it was yeah. a short week for both of them, and each one of them was putting starters still into this game when it was long dead. Like there's, there's, Just, there's a period in the fourth quarter where there shouldn't have been a starter for either side on that. You field. know that's not reasonable. You don't have enough players to even do that. You can get a lot further into the depth chart than they. Yeah, either there's got to be some start, but like Micah Parsons, Dak, like all those guys probably probably should have been out as early as possible. Um, anyway, nine points here. Don't over. Are we going to overrate last week just because? Hey, the Giants finally fell back down to earth when all year they were they've been, you know, playing above their skis and making things difficult and blitzing and creating volatility. Or is this just okay? They're back down to where we thought they were, and the record's going to catch up now. I mean, I don't think you need to overrate it to just properly rate it and say, you know, they went up against a team like Detroit, who are okay. They're winning some games. We're on a run, but they're not great and. They were handled. Now you say, okay, if you take that Detroit run defense performance and you say that was an outlier, throw that out, give them a middle-of-the-road run defense, what does this game look like? Now all of a sudden, it's probably level, you know? Now it's like a 30-point to 30-point game. It's a shootout. Both teams look okay, but neither of them are scaring you. You're not saying, right, what does Dallas do to either one of those two teams? And that's how you get to like a nine-point spread. Where are you going on this one? Uh, I think even with both sides of that regressing to the mean somewhat dallas's defense murders the giants it's nine and a half now by the way nine and a half yep i'll still take dallas same so i'm basically calling for two blowouts here a couple nine and a half point spreads for the first two thanksgiving games and i'm taking the favorites in both i hate that i'm agreeing with you having seen what happens when somebody agrees with you over the course of the season you should not agree with me all right, so there's a third Thanksgiving game. They started this a few years back. Mm-hmm. New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored by two and a half here. Patriots coming off their 10 to three victory. Vikings coming off their 40 to three loss. So both offenses scored three points just four days ago. Yes. Vikings are eight and two. Patriots six and four. Couple teams. Uh, the question for me with New England, their defense, EPA per play, everything. Number one. Everything looks great yep. in new england we talk a lot about how defense is dependent on who you play new england has played in the last few weeks zach wilson twice, twice. yeah and sam ellinger the <laughs> ellinger game was one of the worst games we've ever seen now of course new england's a part of that mm-hmm. but basically when we've seen them play against good quarterbacks their defense doesn't look nearly as good they haven't played buffalo yet so they haven't seen josh allen and the yeah. Bills offense yet so what do you make of New England, their defense? Hey, credit them for taking advantage of these things. But man, can we really trust New England's defense going forward, even as, as good as they've looked? It's a good point, that, and particularly with the things we know about defense, that it is very driven by the opponent you're facing, just in terms of quarterbacks. Forget everything else. Which quarterbacks have you seen this season? That is going to go a long way to determining how good your defense looks overall. So the Patriots having the number one defense in the NFL in EPA per play, that's great. But they have been helped a long way towards that by a run of disastrous quarterbacks. Now, Kirk Cousins is not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or any of those guys, but he's obviously capable of executing an offense to a pretty high level. Justin Jefferson is arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. That's a different challenge for a guy like Jack Jones, a fourth-round rookie who's been playing great this season. But what happens when you play Justin Jefferson, et cetera? So it's a very good point. Um, The Patriots, like this is, 
I, I thought this defense would be garbage before the season because um, the personnel is just not good. But it, it starts to, it's starting to remind me a lot more of what Bill Belichick was known for for like the first eight years of the Patriots thing before it became, well, Brady's just driving this show and Belichick's steering the ship, you know, and, and whatever. But remember when he had this, they kept acquiring all these guys that weren't good other places. And then you plug them in a New England system and all of a sudden – He's magnifying their strengths, minimizing their weaknesses. And, you know, Teddy Bruschi or Mike Vrabel and all these guys just get turned into superstars in the Patriots defense. That's what's happening now. Like a fourth round rookie, Jack Jones, um, Dietrich Wise, who'd been a just a situational pass rusher for them for years. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? We're going to need you to play all the snaps now. Instead of half of them, you're going to need to play all of them and you got to do everything. And he's having a career year. His PFF grade is like 12 points higher than it's been in any season. He's about to set a new career high for total pressures in week 12. Um, you know, stuff like that. Matthew Judon, who's been, you know, good, not great, is leading the league in sacks by a mile, do-everything type of player for them. You're like, the personnel should not be doing this. It's not good enough to be achieving what it's currently achieving. Um, and okay, even if some of it is driven by the fact that there's Sam Ellinger and Zach Wilson, it's still, I think a hell of an achievement coaching-wise for that side of the ball. It's just that the other side of the ball is is equally impressive in the opposite direction. Yeah, so Patriots defense absolutely getting the most out of their personnel. On the offensive side of the ball, as we mentioned, they scored three points last week. Did okay against Indianapolis the previous week. They were just as bad last week, um, back in week eight against the Jets. Like In other words, they haven't had good games in a while yeah. on the offense. A lot of questions about early down play calling, running enough play action, tying quarterback drop to receivers, as we talked about last week from uh, Darren Orlovsky. I think, again, we saw that in one of the six sacks that Mac Jones took on Sunday. Vikings pass rush against, it's not necessarily this offensive line, right? The offensive line isn't necessarily bad, but when they lose, they turn into sacks. We, mm -hmm. we talk about this a lot. This isn't an <laughs> offensive line that loses in pass protection a lot, but Mac Jones whether it's his fault, the routes, the offense, whatever, almost 30% of his pressures are turning into sacks. That's what we saw on Sunday, including the first play of the game, there's a screen that he just doesn't throw. That's not on the offensive line, right? So when the offensive line it loses, it turns into a sack. We got, you know, Danelle Hunter, Zaria Smith, guys that could take advantage. They're also, by the way, being sent into the bench on the offensive line, which is not good for any team. Right. Um, so the Patriots starting five might be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But now we got to tinker at center, right? James Ferrance might be the starting center. Uh, we got to tinker at right tackle for the third time this season. Yadni Kajus comes in, who didn't have a particularly good game last week. So all of a sudden, you're starting to mess with the formula that is actually a very good offensive line. And any team in the NFL, once they get sent into the bench at multiple positions on the offensive line, is kind of in trouble. The Vikings, by the way, have to deal with their own offensive line problems. Um, Christian Darasaw ruled out very quickly with a concussion. It's going to be uh, Brandle. He looked very good in the first, what, 20 snaps or whatever that he came in for Darasaw against Buffalo, by the way, like an elite pass right. rush. But then last week against Dallas, it's not like he was garbage. He was okay, but he was obviously overmatched by a guy like Micah Parsons. The Patriots don't have a Micah Parsons, but they have the third highest pressure rate, I think, in the league or the second. So it's a problem. The uh, does it so as we talk through this offensive line issues, Patriots defense playing really well, Vikings offense doing nothing just you know, four days ago. Over under is forty two and a half. Yep. In this game, right? Isn't that the thing? Like when you're, this is what happens when you're 
betting sometimes, right? You're walking, talking through it, analysis, and everything says there won't be a ton of points, but the market kind of, you know, knows that as well. So 42 and a half is not a huge number. Mm -hmm. PFF app in particular likes the over, right? It's that happens a lot of times when you when you put the numbers to it, right? When it's like the feels tell me this is going to be like 10 to 9. Yeah. But 42 and a half is a pretty low number. PFF app really likes it. The app likes a lot of bets in this one. The app is saying don't buy into the the panic over the Vikings last week. Um, it likes the Vikings against the spread. It likes them on the money line. And it likes the over. It's basically saying what you saw from the Patriots last week is largely driven by Zach Wilson. And what you saw from the Vikings last week isn't a tremendously fair reflection of what they're capable of doing. So, you know, don't overreact, essentially, is what the data for the season is saying based off last week alone, which makes a lot of sense. We've um, we've seen Bill Belichick in the past, too, when a team has an extreme weapon, whether it's the, you know, Tony Gonzalez years ago, Travis Kelsey, a tight end, Tyree Kill. Justin with, Jefferson. What's he going to do with Justin Jefferson? Yeah. In the past, you've seen Bill, Belichick take his number two corner, which I, I don't know, Jonathan versus Jack Jones, if there's right. a distinguished one. But either way, take one corner, play man coverage, and just have a safety over the top of that number one guy. And then um, any anything – well, I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on, how they nope. handle Justin Jefferson. Nobody is better in the NFL at taking away your number one weapon than Bill Belichick. Whatever it is, whether it's tight end, number one receiver, run game, court, like he will take away the one thing that you typically lean on and force you to do anything else. And sure, the other thing might work. Like, it's not like it's 100% successful. But I, I genuinely believe that there is merit in simply forcing you to do the thing you do less often. Like, I'm going to make you go to plan B, and if you execute plan B to the point where it beats me, well done. Hats off to you. But I'm going to make you go to plan B. I'm not going to sit here and let plan A work. Kirk Cousins these last few weeks, if you, if you just look throw for throw, play for play, Kirk Cousins is not playing as clean a brand of football as he has in recent years, despite the Vikings being 8-2. and two. But one thing he is doing, the confidence that he has throwing to Justin Jefferson is incredible. So many throws where he's kind of chucking and ducking, he knows he's going to get hit, and he's just throwing it to a spot because he knows Jefferson is going to get there. That's the extra added value of having the alpha receiver is that confidence I think it brings the quarterback. I think you're seeing that with Cousins. Not every single throw to every single receiver, but when he's throwing to Jefferson – tight windows, knowing when he's going to get out of his break, putting it to a spot and letting Jefferson get there. There have been some incredible throws, Cousins to Jefferson, these last couple weeks. So I think even if you do try to take him away, it might not even matter the way they're playing. Last element to this game is the Vikings cornerback group is very banged up. Like all of a sudden, almost all of them are on the injury report in some way, shape, or form. Um, Andrew Booth Jr., their rookie, hasn't played much this season because of injuries, and then turned out out of that game was reporting some knee soreness i think so he's an issue i they're they're pretty banged up so the patriots receivers who not exactly a strength of the team but all of a sudden you could end up with a, a reasonable performance of open guys for mac jones to find all right so where are you going in this game two and a half Vikings new england favorite. you're going to England. feels like exactly uh, having said that now where does this fit in the kurt cousins spectrum of dominant 1 p.m performances because it is prime time but it's Thanksgiving primetime where everybody's asleep from the food coma. Nah, it's still primetime. Still primetime. I think people are, are waking up from their nap in time to watch this. Okay, so people 8.20, you've had your nap, you're up, you're yes. ready to go for the late primetime game. The lights are bright still. Yeah. Well, then 100% pay. If he was playing at 4 o'clock, you could say, like, there's probably like a half when everybody kind of yeah, yeah. No, talks out. Perfect right? time. It's 4 p.m., but it's like, it's Thanksgiving 4 p.m. Primetime cousins. Yeah. 
this is bright lights, forget it. And, and by the way, the Patriots will not play a day game until Christmas Eve. Really? Yes. They're going to be uh, next Thursday. They play Buffalo. They have uh, two other primetime games against Arizona and the Raiders. We got a good guess for next Thursday. Yes, we do. The next return Wednesday. of uh, Ariel Helwani. Yes. MMA great reporter and Buffalo Bills, member of Bills Mafia. Member of Bills Mafia? Yeah, we times least, it up with the Bills game. At least in tight with Bills Mafia now. Hey, Man, the force you to apologize. You're not supposed to tell people if you're in the Mafia. It's true. Omerta. I don't know if that extends to Bill's Mafia. I think yeah, that's a, it's more of a Sicilian Mafia thing. Has Ariel gone through a table? I'm sure he has. I don't know. Wrestling fan, Bill's Mafia, that kind of adds up. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he'll be here next week joining us. Looking forward to that. Friend of the show. Returning to the show. All right, two and a half. I'm, I'm going with the app, by the way. Sure. App says, app says Minnesota. <laughs> I'm going PFF app. It's got to be better than doing going with whatever your gut is. I can't is. give away all the picks on the PFF app. They're special. I can't give them all away. No, no, it's fine. But I can reference a few. Yes. And give a couple I'm to the fans. Anything. Well, one of these weeks, I should just go purely off what the app says. And if there's an F bet, just I pass. <laughs> I mean, look, anything's can't better than it. going with your gut instinct at this point. It's true. The app likes the Vikings, though. Minus two and a half. You've heard me talk about them before. But our sponsor, Symbol, has their best offer yet for new users. Symbol is offering a $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you sign up with the code FOOTBALL, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you're hesitant on joining or simply haven't joined yet, now you can with a risk-free deposit. As a reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of sports betting and turned it into the stock market to give fans a new way to speculate on your favorite pro and college teams. And now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and use code FOOTBALL to get your risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in the top dogs like the Bills, the Eagles, the Chiefs, or those up-and-coming teams. Are the Giants still up-and-coming? Sure, they're still up-and-coming. Symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge. So do that today. Symbol in the App Store. All right, the other sneaky great game of the week, maybe the best game of the week, Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, A rematch of last year's divisional round. Cincinnati Bengals beat the Raiders in the wildcard round. They go to Tennessee in the divisional round and beat the Titans on their way to the Super Bowl, the number one seed Titans. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go back to Nashville for this one. Bengals are favored by one and a half. Titans coming off that big win against the Packers last Thursday night. They're seven and three against the six and four Bengals. Titans remain one of the most fascinating teams in the NFL. Nobody can figure them out ever, <laughs> including Vegas. <laughs> the Titans have some crazy Red's run up, of record against the spread. Like Vegas can't figure the Titans out either. They're a team that just doesn't seem to make any sense, but consistently outperforms what they're supposed to do. We've talked about it a little bit, though. Like, there's data po- like the, the traditional data points. Yeah. Passing efficiency. And- but they're all things that shouldn't stay consistent. Yeah. Like, they're, they're the inconsistent so good in data the points zone. that they're somehow consistently good at. But I'm saying the traditional ones that you would use, passing efficiency and all that stuff, aren't jumping off the page. It's red zone efficiency. It's yeah. the things that shouldn't remain stable that the Tennessee Titans have found a way to just be incredible at and you kind of saw it last week against the Packers right when they get into the tight red zone you can either run Derrick Henry you can run the play where you you know run him into the line he's throwing a jump pass and everything the Titans are uh, they work the seams really well 
to you know th- you know guys like Dontrell Hilliard you know yes. running seam routes and everything <clears throat> like guy. the Titans are just figuring out how to uh, bob when defenses are weaving. It's also kind of impressive. They have Derrick Henry, who, you know, leads the league in rushing, carries, all those kinds of things. Like, is the proper workhorse of this offense. And yet genuinely still find a way to have a guy like Dontrell Hilliard have quite a large role within the offense. Like, that's actually a reasonably impressive juggling act from the Titans' offense. Usually if you have a bell cow type of running back, whoever the backup, third down back, whatever, the other guy is not a factor in the offense. And yet somehow Tennessee gets it done. Bengals, uh, we, you know, questioned, I questioned them last week. Yeah, they haven't been doing it on the road. Want to see them do it another week with, uh, without Jamar Chase. They went on the road last week against Pittsburgh, had mm-hmm. a fantastic game offensively. Joe Burrow throwing the ball really well. I mentioned the confidence that, that Cousins has when throwing to Justin Jefferson. Burrow certainly has that with Jamar Chase, but I'm, I'm seeing it more with, with other people, right, with, with T. Higgins. There's been games where it's been Tyler Boyd. It does feel like we talk sometimes about you lose the number one receiver. Sometimes the quarterback gets better, better at distributing, better at just finding the open man. That's what this Bengals offense has been these last couple of weeks. Of course, a few, week, few weeks ago, it was just the Joe Mixon show running the ball, but the passing offense has gone through Boyd working out of the slot. It went through T. Higgins last week, trusting him on back shoulders and just letting him go up and make plays. That bodes well, I think. For the Bengals, Jamar Chase back at practice. I don't think I don't know when he's going to be back to play. A few weeks here, but I think that bodes well for the Bengals going forward. Sure. All that said, the Titans sacked Joe Burrow what eight, nine times oh, last, yeah. last year. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was like the most sacks in a game that the lose that the team who was getting sacked won in NFL history. It's in, crazy. In the Titans are they're, the Titans are getting better individual pass rushing performances this year than they did last year last year they weren't necessarily dominating one-on-ones they were scheming it up without all their high money pass rush without all their without with harold landry out for the season with bud dupree in and out of the lineup this entire season jeffrey simmons playing really well he was playing banged up last week against the packers denico autry you talk about dietrich wise having his career year autry's having a career year in like year eight or whatever it is for him in this so the titans are just man so impressed there's, isn't there a Belichickian component to they're just not big names on yeah. the defensive side, but always finding ways to, to just be successful on that side of the ball? Yeah. Like at some point you have to say this is too consistent to be a fluke or something that's going to go away. Like they are able to outperform the sum of their parts consistently. And so, that's impressive. Uh, Denico Autry's got 44 pressures. Now, I know he got hurt in the Packers game. Don't have the injury report, the whole deal. But uh, pass rush grade of 76.1 for him this year. That's a career high. Last year, he did have 64 pressures, including the playoffs. That was a career high, but he's 20 away from that already mm-hmm. this year. So they're just they are, they're doing a great job scheming up pressure, having guys win one-on-ones. And I think that's obviously the huge factor when you talk about the Bengals, their offensive line protecting Joe Burrow. Yeah, so but that is definitely... The, uh, one of the keys to this game, obviously it was the thing that was front and center last time in the playoffs and they, they managed to overcome it. I'm more interested actually in the other side of the ball in the same dynamic because Tennessee's offensive line has fallen apart. Um, again, another one of these teams has been ravaged by injuries and is starting a bunch of guys that weren't supposed to be starters at the start of the year and they're not playing well. Tennessee, I think, is tied for like the, there's four or five teams that are tied for the lowest mark in the NFL in yards before contact generated on average at less than a yard. So 0.9 yards 
before contact on average. Every single, um, or there's sort of four or five teams that are tied to that mark. But the Titans have Derrick Henry leading the league in rushing and looking like a, a monster despite that. Like most of the teams that are down at the bottom there don't have good run games. The Titans managing to have a dominant run game with Derrick Henry with that uh, dynamic on the offensive line is kind of crazy. Trey Hendrickson as an edge going up against Dennis Daly is a massive mismatch in, in Cincinnati's favor. DJ Reader being back in the lineup gives them the potential. He came back, so he played the first three weeks and he was playing like the best defensive tackle in the NFL, then injured his knee, went on injured reserve. Last week was his first week back, and he didn't look the same guy. Now, is that one week rust? Is that it's going to take him a couple weeks to get back? Or is he just dealing with a knee injury that's going to linger for a while, and we're not going to see the DJ reader we saw earlier in the season? You look at his game-by-game PFF grades, 88.4, 88.1, 86.5, injury. First game back, 46.2. So if DJ reader is back to being DJ reader, that's a huge... uh, benefit to trying to stop Derrick Henry in that run game if he's still the guy that was playing at a 46 level last week then it's not going to have the same kind of impact but that dynamic of Cincinnati's defensive front against Tennessee's offensive line which is reeling I think has a huge uh, impact on this game that's another one of the fascinating things about Tennessee these last couple years too isn't it the fact that they have never ranked well in our pass blocking grades just pass blocking on that side and still had one of the most effective pass blocking or passing attacks, just, you know, as far as EPA per play and efficiency and all that stuff. So um, that's one of the, that's one of those things where Tennessee continues to just kind of buck trends, right? Um, Ryan Tannehill too, just another, just another story to keep an eye on here. With Tannehill, he's coming back off the injury. Last week was his best game of the season as far as throwing the ball. He did have an inter- a late interception in there, still had his best grade of the season. Since joining the Titans, Tannehill's been a completely different quarterback, you know, facing more condensed boxes, having more one-on-ones, but he's been more inconsistent this year, Tannehill. If he's flipped a switch, he gets streaky, Sam. Remember Tannehill in 2019 and Mm -hmm. 2020? He'll have some of those high 80s, low 90s games and and bunch them up in a row. And every time we thought Tannehill was going to kind of regress into Miami Tannehill, it's like, nope, I'm throwing 85-plus games out there for three or four straight weeks. If he gets hot, man, and, you know, if he goes toe-to-toe with Burrow in this one, another, you know, could be huge for the Titans. we got playoff implications here, uh, potential home field implications in the playoffs. There's a lot on the line. So I think it's one of the games of the week here. Titans and the Bengals. Titans getting the one and a half. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to buy into the Tennessee thing. I, I'm done trying to figure them out, so I'm just going to, say they're as good as their record is and bet in Tennessee. I'm going to take the opposite of you just to make just to give you peace of mind. Thank you. Let's appreciate it. Because I wanted to lean Tennessee too, but oh, I'm not. Damn it. I got to let you go first and then just pick the opposite. You should. I was going to take Tennessee. That would lean uh, Bengals for you. Cincinnati's offensive line's in much better shape than it was last year. Yeah. For whatever that's worth. And I think I think they've I think they've found ways to move the ball. But man, that should be I love that I love that matchup with Tennessee's defense here. All right, let's go to Sunday Night Football. Green Bay Packers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by seven. Packers down at three and seven now, record-wise. Eagles nine and one coming off that win against Jeff Saturday's Colts. And the Packers, not good against the spread this year, but when they're underdogs, they generally uh, play much better. 
Is this is this what the Packers need to kind of turn things around here? Is playing the underdog role instead of being, you know, the big bad Packers everybody's expected? I mean, maybe, but at some point, it, being the underdog only works because or doesn't help you any because you're just not good. Like there's a reason you're the underdog, which is that Philadelphia is a much better team than you are. Um, to me, I, I want to see how willing is Aaron Rodgers to actually target the sort of breakout receiver that he's found in Christian Watson, you know, leads the NFL or leads all rookies in touchdowns two weeks after not having any touchdowns. So we've seen evidence in the last couple of weeks that, hey, if you just put the ball in the air, give Christian Watson the chance to run under it, run past some people, lean into the fact that you drafted this special athlete pretty high up and you want him to be a big part of your offense in an area that stinks this year. That's fine, but all of a sudden now you're going up against Philadelphia's secondary who have a pair of cornerbacks in James Bradbury and Darius Slay who are each playing like Pro Bowl slash All-Pro level corners. Like those guys are playing lights out this year. Are you still going to put the ball in the air? Because Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks now that, you know, if he doesn't really trust what he's seeing, if he doesn't, you know, he's not that willing to put the ball in the air sight unseen. So are you still going to trust Christian Watson to make the plays? Or is this, well, their, their secondary is just better. I'm not going to take that risk. Oh, and because of the Eagles and how much they, you know, they like to play off coverage, they got those good corners and all that stuff, middle of the field has to be the place where you, you know, like to attack the Eagles. Not always Roger's strength, attacking the middle of the field, attacking some of those valuable spots there. He likes to throw those ISO type of routes on the outside. That stuff... Um, where Watson's been winning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing with Watson, right? I, I can't remember if I mentioned it last week or not. Because of his speed and just his general feel right now, when you put him inside in trips, when you put him as the inside receiver, that was the old Tyree kill, like put instilling fear in the defense spot. And I did mention it last week. I was like, hey, maybe that'll open things up for the Packers offense. It didn't really. Um, or maybe it did. I mean, what really happened in the fourth quarter wasn't the offense failed as much as Rodgers was missing throws. I mean, he was missing open throws to Sammy Watkins, right? Two guys that were, this wasn't Sammy Watkins running the wrong route. This was Rodgers just sailing throws in the fourth quarter. I do feel like there are more, there will be more open throws in this offense going forward here. So there's something to that. Um, The Packers maybe being able to turn a corner here. The other part too, the Packers run game has been spectacular. It did nothing last week. Most weeks, it's been pretty good. Eagles' run defense has been terrible until they bring in Linval Joseph, they bring in Indomitian Sue, and they were much better last week. That would be – can they maintain that in Philadelphia? The other because thing, that would be the strategy for the Packers is to keep the ball on the ground and move it that way. As good as Darius Lane and James Bradbury are, they're not unstoppable. Like, we saw – we saw the YOLO dynamic of Taylor Heineke just putting it up to Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin can go and beat Darius Slay one-on-one on the outside. Like, you can attack those guys, but you have to have that YOLO energy of what's the worst that could happen. Rodgers is never really like that. He's always steered clear of risky passes, of dangerous, you know, interceptable balls. Like, at some point, if this offense isn't doing what you need it to do, you're going to need to change that dynamic. Like, you can't just keep playing the conservative, efficient Aaron Rodgers brand of football, relying on a guy being able to win back shoulder throws and, you know, safe passes. Like, at some point, you're going to have to take some risks and put the ball in the air when Christian Watson is going one-on-one with Darius Slay and saying, I have a big, fast, wide receiver. I'm going to trust him to make a play. 
Yolo Rogers. Is that what you want to see? I do. I, I want do. to see Yolo Rogers and Yolo Davis Mills. That's our that's our answer here. Um, Packers have the number twenty run defense grade here too, going up against this Eagles rushing attack with Hertz and the, you know, the great offensive line and everything. So some really good matchups to watch in this one. Eagles offense hasn't been as effective these last couple of weeks. Are they just coming back down to earth? Teams catching up to them. Still have A.J. Brown. Still have um, Nate Tice was calling uh, Devontae Smith the Slim Reaper. Yeah. That's just, that's is, that, a, is that official? It's a longstanding nickname. That I didn't know that. Has. I didn't know that. Good one. I thought Nate Tice, because he's, he's got nicknames for everybody. I thought he, I didn't know if they were official ones or if Nate was just uh, throwing. No, that's a that's a long term thing. That's a good one though. I like it. Slim Reaper. Yeah. Along with AJ Brown. Does he have a good nickname? Not that I've heard. The dude. Just dudes. <laughs> that's a bad nickname. I'm not good at naming stuff. <laughs> no, you're not. Except big time throws. Turnover worthy plays. Where are you going in this one? Seven points, man. Seven feels like a lot. The Eagles just uh, snuck past uh, the Colts. They did. With an undefeated coach, granted. That's true. Not anymore. Um, Formerly undefeated coach yeah yeah the eagles have been wobbling recently they they haven't had the same offense without um dallas goddard i don't know if that's going to continue if it, it does it feels like green bay can keep this closer but i'm taking the packers by the way perfect then i can go with the eagles without any worries <laughs> don't even talk it through just take the opposite of steve this is my week man yeah packers are keeping this close seven <laughs> points when was the last time green bay played in philly i feel like the can't remember a game when they played in Philly. Do you? I know. You don't have my type of memory no. either. I think we've also established all my hits to the head and age. I don't remember stuff as much anymore. Mm. So, and not, none of us giving you a uh, superstar TikTok career because you didn't video any of it. I had no. Oh, I just hit, when did I hit my head? Were you <laughs> with me the other day? When yes. I hit it? Walking up the stairs, you've walked up fifty-eight thousand times before. You somehow found a way. To smash your head on the underside of them in a way you've never done before. Like I get, you know, being surprised by a low-hanging something that you've never encountered in, in, in the past. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> that, just, that makes sense, right? You connect being you unable... a paper towel from someone here, please? You connect being unable to just move around without knocking coffee over to, oh, here's a low-hanging thing I didn't anticipate. Cheers. Bunk. That makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense is... General coordination. I've gone up these stairs a million times before without problem, and all of a sudden you smack your head on the underside of them. Like, how does that work? My spatial awareness is not good. Bull in the China Shop Award. Bull in the China in Shop Award. Well, while I'm cleaning up over here, tell our friends about prize picks and the awesome stuff we got going on there. Thanks, Tyler. Prize I picks. I got a coffee spill over here. Hold on. Yeah. Tell them about prize picks while I clean up my iPad. God. from my coffee spill you're such a disaster price picks it's a fun way of playing dfs um you know unlike the the standard way of doing it this is designed where you create these sort of multi-leg parlays which is what everybody loves doing right and you have all the the available um lines they set which justin jefferson by the way is they've got some sort of boost going with 99 percent off more or less than 0.5 yards i think there's a pretty good chance he goes over that even oh. with Belichick's ability to take away your number one receiver, I like Justin Jefferson's ability to gain a yard. Let's go one weekend. catch, negative two. On yeah, the yeah. So you just pick more or less. You, you build yourself your little uh, same game parlay. You can even choose to kind of like horse racing, right? To win or each way, you can choose to hit all of them right and you get the, the monster payout. Or 
you can buy yourself a little wiggle room. You know, one of them doesn't need to come through and you can still get a payout. So love price picks. It's all kinds of fun. Get uh, get on board right now. All right, so download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code PFF1. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Pretty simple. Don't forget to enter promo code PFF1 at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. Get the coffee. Thank you, Tyler, for my uh, paper towels. Get the coffee spill sorted. Mm-hmm. My PFF mug. I think that's why. I think that's why people like the PFF NFL podcast. I, we we're just relatable people, right? I hit my head on stuff. I spill my coffee just like anyone else. <laughs> you think those are related? You spill your coffee because you've taken a lot of shots. I mean, somewhere. Head. Oh, maybe somebody out there is like <laughs> uncoordinated and you know has trouble walking in a straight line without bumping into stuff or whatever and someone's like yeah that's me uh, steve's relatable is that the first time you've ever made that connection you know i've been hitting the head a lot maybe that explains some of the malcoordination and other aspects of my life i always thought it was the height yeah but just the height in general it's tough to you know long limbs <laughs> and everything you know all right let's we gotta get you gotta get moving here chicago bears at the new york jets jets are favored by four and a half mm. a lot of quarterback questions here so what should have been a nice battle between the class of 2021 quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, is now um, we're waiting right now for Robert Sala to kind of make a decision. Well, that, quarterback. and then the Bears have gone full Kyle Shanahan, you know, not being able to guarantee that his quarterback's alive in three weeks' time. Yeah. It's, he's day-to-day, but it might be for the season. Yeah. Sorry, what? Day-to-day for the next 50 days. Like Justin what? Fields is between day-to-day and out for the season. Yeah, with his with a shoulder, shoulder injury. injury. Yeah. Uh huh. Jinx. Yeah. So, I'm I'm still we we did a we did a PFF NFL daily breaking down should the Jets actually bench Zach Wilson? Go check that out. That's today's daily. Yes. Um. So we won't get too much into the Zach Wilson situation there. I would be very surprised if they benched him before this game. Um. I would not be that surprised because this game I think gives them a good excuse to bench him if he stinks. You know, and if he doesn't stink then it kind of fixes a lot of the problem, you know? If Zach Wilson comes out, plays okay against a defense that is the least able defense in the NFL to affect the opposing quarterback. They have the worst pass rush in the league. They don't do an awful lot create creatively. They're not great against the pass generally. They're not great against the run. They are a problematic defense. If you can't survive, if you can't thrive against that defense, you've probably played your way to the bench anyway. You know, but if you do, if you come out there, you play well, you distribute the ball around. Garrett Wilson has a big day because all of a sudden you can pass. You don't make ridiculous uh, decisions under pressure because there isn't any pressure and you win the game. That kind of papers over a lot of the cracks, right? Now, maybe it's only a short term thing and the next week they get their ass kicked. But doesn't that like solve a lot of the issues? You're gonna Winning give, solves yeah. everything, right? And if you win and everything's going OK, nobody cares anymore that you didn't take responsibility for in, in the bad defeat. And I know you got the leadership questions and all that stuff, but a lot of times you look at the last couple things that happened, and it's right. easy. But that gets like that gets hidden if you win, right? It's yeah. like what I was saying that you. you but you know. I, all I'm saying is the last couple things that happened were Zach Wilson beat the Bills, yes, and then looked terrible against the New England Patriots, right? So there, there's some discussion going well, like, well, two weeks ago we thought he turned a corner, right? He was better, and we protected him, and we did all these things against a good defense. He had a bad day against the Patriots, and then, you know, doesn't know how to answer questions at a press conference. Let's give him one more chance, right? 
So I don't know, man. The other thing could be if if Trevor Simeon's running the show for the Bears, the Jets immediately must like their chances of winning. Right? This Bears offense, which looked bad with Justin Fields early in the season and only turned it around when they started running fields 10 to 18 times per game. Yeah. Presumably they're not going to have the same spark offensively without fields and with Trevor Simeon throwing the ball. No. No, I mean, this this offense, I think, is dead and buried if Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. Um, it is an interesting test uh, of this uh, of this offense generally. Um, it's not like th- this isn't the same as the Patriots defense where they simply haven't faced anybody generally, and that's why they're performing really well. The turnaround of the Bears offense with Justin Fields, they've actually run up against some pretty good defenses, and it's been working. That, like That's part of why I think everyone's so excited because – I guess the spark started against New England, right? So the Patriots defense that we've talked about, like Justin Fields, the sort of turnaround, the spark, and the the uh, re-emphasis of what he can do started really against New England. Then they faced Dallas. We were like, okay, that was one thing against the Patriots. Now you face Dallas. Is that going to work again? Still worked. Miami, that blitz-happy defense, very unusual type of, of system. And then, okay, the Lions and the Falcons. So, but, but like we should look back at that. I mean, that's a good point, right? We should look back at that and say the Bears' offense executed that well against the Patriots' off yeah. defense and against the Dallas defense. That's that's legit. So you, you you go up against the Jets, and you're like, that's a really good defensive front. They've got Sauce Gardner in the back end. Like, this is a very good defense top to bottom. That, we, that must be an outlier. But actually, you know, this Bears' offense and Justin Fields, they face good defenses already. So it's definitely a test, but it's not like it's, a, it's one they haven't seen before. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Jets' defensive line and, and what they can do. They they do wreak havoc, uh, Quinn and Williams and company, and what they can do against – look, the Bears' offensive line, I still don't find them – I still don't think they're good. I think they've been good in this run-heavy offense. They're they've good been run protect- blocking. Right, and they've been protected yeah. a little bit from a pass protection standpoint. But it's also one thing to be good run blocking generally and another thing to be good at run blocking Quinn and Williams. And also, are you – run blocking when there's a quarterback as yeah. as an option too right where if if it is trevor simeon it's a it's more of a straight up game right for the for the bears and their offense i think that's going to be harder i don't know what to do with a four and a half point spread with the jets because you're talking about a jets like the jets are favored by four and a half in a week where we have no idea who their quarterback is going to be and again i don't know if it matters i mean you could <laughs> you could make the argument that if zach wilson gets benched you have more confidence in the jets because the, the the decision's coming down to like we got we want to do well by Zach Wilson because we want him to succeed, but we also want to win games. I to me, I'm working on the basis that both the quarterbacks that have been starting for them continue to start in this game. I think Zach Wilson continues to play. I don't think they're benching him before this game, and I think Justin Fields day to day will be playing. So if that happens, I think all the things that have been the case for the Bears offense in the last few weeks continue to be the case. Now. It's still different because the Jets don't just have a good defensive front, but they have a good, they have elite players in in multiple areas. So Quinn and Williams up the middle. They've also got edge rushers that can cause problems. Can you block those guys play after play after play? Because Quinn and Williams has wrecked offenses both in the pass game and the run game. The Bears don't have anybody that can contend with him one on one. But is the unusual offense and the threat of Justin Fields enough to cause uh, Quinn and Williams? problems in its own right like do you slow him up simply by making him have to think about where the ball is going to go because that would be huge um and then as i said the zach wilson thing i just don't think they bench him before this game i think this game gives them 
too good an excuse to bench him afterwards if it doesn't go well. All right, where are you going in this one? Jets by four and a half. Uh, I am going to go with the Bears. Oh, I should have gone mine first. Yes, damn it. I think I've been going Bears every single week, just buying in, and then they don't cover. Perfect. I'll take the Jets. I'll go opposite of you. Just, great. Just to, just to. That really makes me feel great. Well, there you go. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Cleveland Browns. Bucks favored by three and a half here against the Browns. We got a little Brady versus Brissett matchup. Former teammates. Yes, former New England greats. Um, is this Brissett? Is this the last game, or is there one more before Deshaun Watson can get activated? I, he's practicing now. Yeah, he's been practicing for a little bit. How many games have the Browns played now? What's their record? Three and seven? They, it's yeah. an 11-game suspension, This right? is the last game. Houston is the next game. That's when he plays. Right, so he always, you know he's going to come back against Houston. Um, Brissett played a good game against the Bills. He just had really a lot game. of just misses, right? He had a lot of those really good passes that people couldn't let down. Our QB uh, grade checker, Bruce Gradkowski, was just said, man, the Browns' tight ends really let him down in that game, which was true. That was his yep. his big takeaway in that one. Um, for me, it's the Bucks offense. They they ran the ball much better last, uh, two weeks ago in Germany against the Seahawks. Should be another day where they can do that. Yeah, I this is a big game, I think, for Tampa Bay. They need to show that the resurgence they've had in recent weeks is for real and not just a little run of you know impress or better performances because. Remember, it's still a really short period of time where that offense has looked halfway good. We're talking about basically the final drive against the Rams and then the Seahawks game in Germany where they, I think they did look different and they did look like a better offense. But that's not a lot. Like, can right. you do it again this week? And the Browns have a really good defense for you to do that against. The Browns' defense has been underachieving. Their primary slash only threat is Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett generally is probably going to spend his entire time opposite Donovan Smith because the alternative is Tristan Wirfs, and why would you do that? So I would imagine it sets you up pretty well to just dedicate extra help to Donovan Smith, to Miles Garrett, eliminate him from the game, and then go nuts. Yeah. Like if you can't, again, if you can't get it done against the, the Browns defense this year, like they don't have a good run defense. They don't have good interior players. They don't have much to, to threaten you. If it struggles this week, is it ever going to get better? Yeah, you also have to wonder how much um, Julio Jones extra rest at this point in his career, right? He and he was he was looking better these this last week plus whatever. So Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin hasn't exactly been himself for much of the year, but he looked a little better against Seattle, right? So that's where I think the Bucks hope would be is that those guys come together down the stretch. They're healthier. They're fresh coming off the bye. Um, to your point, if you do take care of Miles Garrett, pass rush probably doesn't get to Brady all that well, and then it's just, you know, they have to go out there and execute. Run game-wise, they, they – I don't know if benched is the right word, but they definitely replaced Leonard Fournette with Rashad White a lot more. And yep. Rashad White got the start, for whatever that was worth, against Seattle and looked much better as a runner than Leonard Fournette. So I think the Bucks are starting to figure things out offensively, and then – on the other side of the ball, I think it, I think a lot of it depends on which Jacoby Brissett you get. We've and talked about how streaky he is. His yeah. good streaks are really good. They are, but I, I kind of feel like we're due the bad streak. You know, we've had a couple of good games recently. We've gone three games without multiple turnover-worthy plays, but in the two games previous to that, he had seven. So it feels like we're due 
a bad Jacoby game. And the Bucs have, their defense is a little bit streaky itself, but the Bucs have a defense that can definitely show up for a game and clamp down and cause Brissett all kinds of problems. The two defenses that he struggled against the most, most recently, were Baltimore and New England. Again, not necessarily the best defenses in the world, but capable of showing up for those games and looking like it. We've had people ask us this question before, and I don't have a great answer for it, but it's it's essentially what what's more valuable, having a guy... Because we, we look at the total grade, which is every single throw, but is it better or worse to have... Would you rather a guy that is really consistent, like an Andy Dalton this year, or have Brissett, who's got three games basically right at 90, another game at 83, and everything else is, you know, 60s and 50s, right? So you have some games where he's just off or not good or turning the ball over, like you said... And then other games where he's kind of lights out, right? And you have games like uh, he played against Cincinnati where Monday Night Football, they just dominate the Bengals. What's interesting is that the Saints essentially have a direct choice between that. Like you have Jameis or Dalton. Which one do you prefer? You do. Like you're going to get the Jameis coaster of amazing or garbage and nothing in the middle or Andy Dalton who's giving you steady, steady Eddie 70 every week. The problem is that it probably doesn't feel like that because the offense has fluctuated in New Orleans, not necessarily with Dalton's play, with it with everyone around him. With Brissett, I don't know. You just kind of see the potential, the connection he has with Amari Cooper and what they're capable of. So I think we need to see a great Brissett game for them to pull the upset here. Not sure we're going to get it, so I'm going to go Bucks to cover the three and a half. Damn it. So am I. Oh, we're going to agree here? Yep. All right, both taken... Tampa Bay coming off the bye here. All right, Atlanta Falcons at the Washington Commanders. Commanders favored by four here. Commanders on a bit of a roll here. And as we've mentioned other times throughout the week, they're officially going with Taylor Heineke as their starter. Starter, Taylor Heineke, because he just wins, baby. Yeah. What mm-hmm. else would you do? Roll, roll with the guy that's winning games. I mean, that's, that's my coaching philosophy, you know? You just see who won the last game for you, and that's your starter. Pick exactly the same team as the one that won the game. So the Jets are going to bench Zach Wilson? He didn't win last time. But he won the one before you. The last win they had was Zach Wilson. Well, his record's what? Something in It's 5-2 five two, and two, five and two, two of the Patriots games. So he's undefeated when he doesn't play the Patriots. So they're not playing the Patriots this week. So he wins. So he's 5-0 and oh in similar circumstances. Uh-huh. It's, it's decision's easy. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to be a head coach. Right. I got this. Uh, four points, man, for uh, the uh, feisty, feisty Falcons who uh, play a lot of close games and they get the run game. That's another one of those games, right? The Falcons just played the Bears. Now they're playing the Commanders, another team that likes to grind it out, run, and get your three and a half yards per carry. Feels like another one of those low-scoring games. What's the total on this one as I look it up here? What are you looking for in this Falcons-Commanders matchup, Sam? It's good radio. Um, 42. The Falcons have the most run-heavy offense in the NFL. They are the only team, I think, in the league that calls runs on more than 50% of their offensive plays. There are a couple of te- There's a team, at least one, I think, at 50, right on the nose. I think that's Chicago. But Atlanta's the only team that actually runs the ball officially more than they pass it. Um, so Washington's defensive line is really good, even without Chase Young, who's still working his way back. They're better as a pass rushing unit. You know, Jonathan Allen, we saw what he did to Kenyon Green. Can they affect the, the run as much? Can they bottle up that rush attack, particularly with that additional threat of Marcus Mariota on the edge? It's enough to kind of change responsibilities. 
put linebackers in a bind, guys like Jamin Davis, who that's been an issue of his since he came into the NFL, can they affect it enough in the front seven, not just that front four, to really cause Atlanta problems? It's a good point there, right? Because this Atlanta offensive line, it's, it's similar to Chicago, too, the team that runs as much as they do, as you said, because on paper Atlanta shouldn't have this good offensive line, but they've started to get this better play from Caleb McGarry at right tackle, and they've just been one of the better offensive lines from a run block standpoint, and they're very well protected in pass protection. So you, I, I think you're right as far as Atlanta's style negates Washington's biggest strength which is that that pass rushing defensive line and the reason why their defense has been has been so good I also don't know how how sustainable is Washington's entire offense right we two weeks ago we talked about them on Monday night football against Philadelphia where it was like four yards at a time three yards four yards three yards it's third and four and you're going to get five and you're just always getting just enough but it's not this you know grandiose efficient offense or anything like that plus you have Heineke back there with his inconsistencies, to say the least. How much can Washington keep this going? That's my that's my general question. For yeah, everybody. I mean, it is a good question. The Taylor Heineke and the Washington offense have been riding the good end of variance of that YOLO style, um, which we know from experience doesn't have to end immediately. Just because you know it's not sustainable doesn't mean it can't sustain for a whole season. I'll, I'll also say, like, Heineke should play better football. Right, from a grading Did, standpoint. But didn't we kind of think that all last year? It's like, this is, where's the good end of this? He's capable of playing better football. He is. But, but again, that was the case last season. Like, we spent the entire year going, you're probably going to end up with a similar dynamic to Fitzpatrick. It'll be a wild ride. You'll get bad games. You'll get good games. But it'll kind of shake out to average, maybe. And we've seen the high end. You know, the game against Tom Brady and the Bucks in the playoffs, that never came back. It was just bad Heineke every week. You made the point on the daily today, if you look at the grades and the distribution of big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays, there's not a huge difference between Taylor Heineke and the guy that's about to get benched for the Jets, Yeah, Zach Wilson. A lot of similarities here, other than maybe taking too many sacks for Heineke and his teammates like him. Yes, as you always which said. is a huge so You get the teammates like him dynamic, which is why Heineke's been named the starter. Yeah. Um, but, like, you, you're sort of looking, when does this come back down to earth? This but, week. The Bengals secondary is beat up. Um, you know, Falcons. They, they lost. Um, sorry, Falcons secondary is, is beat up. Like they've they've got some issues. Like it doesn't, as I say, it doesn't necessarily need to come back down to earth this week. I'm calling it this week. This is okay. This is the week it's going to happen. Atlanta getting four. The feisty Falcons with their run game. They're going to keep it close. Hope it's a weather game. We got a weather game. It's a weather report here. This should be. This feels like a game that should be played in sleet. Sleet. Yes. Okay. Falcons and Commanders. Um, I think that. Oh God, I'm going to do it again. I think that Falcons offense is just too unusual for Washington's defense to have the same kind of success. I think they're going to do a decent job. They're going to roll even without Kyle Pitts. I know that's a significant blow, but it's not like they've been using him to the maximum anyway. Um, I think Atlanta gets enough done on offense, and the Washington Commanders can't hang with them. We have 58, 79 percent chance of rain. In D.C. 79% chance. Yeah. Huh. That's quite a lot. Yeah. I like that. Should be a rain game. That's what I'm looking for. <sighs> I'm agreeing with you. Atlanta. Oh, you just you just mailing it in, I see. I just, this is either going to go very badly for me or good for you for the first time this season. 
The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Next game, Los Angeles Chargers at the Arizona Cardinals. Chargers favored by four and a half here. Chargers coming off of that tough Sunday night loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, as they always seem to be. Travis Kelsey just uh, breaking their heart once again. The Chargers, uh, Cardinals played on Monday night in Mexico. It was a rough one against the 49ers. We did not get to review that game, but the Niners pretty much dominated after a Mm -hmm. competitive start, and it was... It just felt like Colt McCoy, who Colt McCoy just couldn't keep up, right? He yeah. just doesn't have the arm and the consistency. I enjoy watching Colt McCoy types who don't have a great arm and have to play with pristine timing and precision. And he did early on, but he just kind of ran out of juice after a while. Yep. Um, interestingly, Colt McCoy did not have as many turnover-worthy plays as Trace McSorley, despite you know starting the game playing the majority of it. Yeah. McSorley with the end zone interception late McCoy right to the deep. just couldn't keep up like they were it's one of those games where remember like a few weeks ago where the Falcons got or the, the Panthers rather got in a hole and PJ Walker the, the game plans out the window all of a sudden PJ has to pass and try and come back through the air you're like that you know those quarterbacks are not gonna thrive in that kind of offense you know you kind of you need the game flow situation to be on their favor the game script to be working with them for them to have any shot and it just wasn't very quickly in this game um i this is the kind of game where the chargers need to win and you know be serious if they want to have any real aspirations this year like things are not going well for the cardinals it's all kind of falling around falling down around them they had to fire a coach off the back of that mexico trip um it's generally like uh, Brad Spielberger was saying that the opening of the, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, the in-season hard knocks thing, it's like the sort of start of the Titanic, you know? It's like, oh, here comes the first iceberg, except it's been nothing but icebergs for the Cardinals this year. It's like iceberg, and then you bounce off that iceberg and hit the next iceberg, and the, the only thing that's left is for the ship to actually sink and hit the bottom of the ocean. Um, so if you can't beat that as the Chargers, you might as well go home yourselves. Like, you're not doing anything this season yeah cardinals are four and seven uh defense has been a mess as i've said i've said a few times this year it doesn't feel like a defense that you can believe in but they'd have all these defensive touchdowns they kind of kept the minnesota game and they these defensive touchdowns would keep the cardinals close but it felt like fool's gold didn't it right you can't keep that you create these big plays and all that stuff but they just give up a ton on the ground in the air don't trust their secondary pass rush is inconsistent it's tough to believe in the Cardinals. Four and seven right now. Not in last place in the West. True. Thanks to the Rams. Um, Chargers, again, we don't have injury reports here, so we have no idea. Keenan Allen, I assume, will be back out there. He finished the game the other day, but Mike Williams left early. We don't know what the Chargers are rolling with because as soon as they start getting good, their guys get hurt. Have you checked that the player has like, shattered his hip or something since you named him on the podcast? I'm sure he slipped in the shower or something like right. that and tore a shoulder. Well, there's no, something he's to look forward to. He's healthy. Don't <laughs> Google him. Does type? Can you type in the player? Number no, three? I don't think that's going to come up. Oh, okay. I'm just checking so to see if he's still alive. 
Let's watch the player. It's like, did you see the report that uh, somebody had to, somebody was very close to booking a linebacker on Cameo to let them know that they'd been drafted to the XFL because they couldn't get all of his phone number? I did see that, yeah. 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 That feels like what you need, you know, can we just check that the player is still up and running, you know, is still, still good? You're going to book him on Cameo? I'm not going to book, I'm just saying, him. somebody needs to get him on the phone and make sure he's still alive and stuff after you named him on the podcast. Yeah. If the, the player is still very, very good, but when you go up head-to-head against Travis Kelsey, sometimes you're going to lose and have a 40 coverage grade. Well, also, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help when you take him off Travis Kelsey and let him, you know, put somebody else on him. Like, he's still the best option you have covering him, yeah. so let him, let him get one back, even if he's going to lose one. Justin Herbert still having a good, solid season, Sam, and, you know, the, the Chargers can't put together that full game. They've been just so bad in the second half these last couple weeks it always feels like they're gonna drive the ball down the field and you know take these shot plays and everything and then it just kind of disappears i want to see that full game here from the chargers Mm -hmm. Um, i like the chargers better though as a team can arizona exploit the chargers run defense will they run it enough i'm assuming kyler's going to be back i think they just i mean he's going to be back right at this point you would hope so i would think Kyler, it's only a hamstring. Like, okay, hamstrings are kind of awkward things, particularly for a guy that's mobile and actually wants to run around. But still, it's been a while. I mean, he, their offense has been better with DeAndre Hopkins, right? But you know, Rondell Moore got banged up the other day. You need to see Kyler do something compared to last year. But I did see the somebody posted the stat the other day too. Since they started seven and zero last year, yeah, when they averaged over thirty one points per game, right? They were they were hot. They were kind of led the league in big time throws. Big time throw rate was looking insane. Yes, they've averaged only twenty points per game since that point. We're talking well over you know, over a season's worth of games, including the playoffs. So this Arizona offense hasn't really been good for a long time here since about week seven of two thousand twenty one. So they got to do something to try to turn it around. I don't know if this is. Cliff Kingsbury fighting for his job or, or what, but want to see that aggressiveness too. I know our answer tends to be be more aggressive, but there's a reason for it. Those do lead to higher EPA. You know, it leads to better offenses, even if you have a few turnovers or missed throws in there. So Arizona's got to be aggressive. Get back to Kyler making special plays when he's out there. Mm-hmm. If it's Colt McCoy, yeah. He's fun to watch. It's fun to watch him try to execute. I mean, I, I like guys that have a cannon for an arm to see if they can harness it or guys that are below NFL average arm to see how they can make up for it in a game. It's actually, like, entertaining for me to watch. I mean, but sometimes you just, you just run out of juice like Colt did the other day. Yeah. I always I like seeing marginal athletes succeed at quarterback because it's so hard to do. That's what I mean. I, I like don't everything like, else has to be great. Yeah, I don't like the idea that simply the biggest, fastest, strongest guy with the strongest arm is the best player. I like seeing somebody that doesn't have any of that stuff and still does well because it feels yeah. feels like it's more equitable. Like the rest of us idiots have it. The guys that weren't just born on third base from a physical standpoint still get a shot. A little baseball metaphor. You like that? That was good. Baseball metaphors. All right. Who are you going with in this one? Uh, Cardinals. Because you heard me say that I'm taking the Chargers. Yep. Chargers going to cover the four and a half on the road here mm-hmm. in Arizona. Las Vegas Raiders at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks favored by three and a half here. Seahawks coming off their bye, coming off of Germany. They're six and four. Raiders with their one game winning streak after beating the Broncos up to three and seven. Uh, do you see. <laughs> that's like seattle of germany it's a long way right 
There's a yeah. lot of time zones you got to cross. Um, but I think somebody wrote like an entire article about how actually, because this is breaking news to people like Kyrie Irving, because the Earth is round, yeah, it's actually not any further from Seattle than it is from like the East Coast because you're flying kind of over the North Pole, right? You're going over the Arctic and you're yeah. you're making it's a straight line. You're not going around the world because right. you have to. So I saw something like that. Yeah, their their actual trip wasn't further than the Bucks or whatever. It was, yeah, right. Because you go upwards, you go yeah. north, and the, the, you, it's a it's a sphere. You know, you, you, that's yeah. the straight line, not around the horizontal. Um, so you think, oh man, what a trip! That's it's a long way for Seattle. That's why you need the rest. And it's like eh, it's the same as the other one. The actual trip, but that doesn't like time and air doesn't matter that much, does it? I mean, I, the longer you're on a plane, the worse, right? You should know that. There's a giant oh, Yeah, freak. but I mean, like, the difference between one to three hours at that point doesn't matter. It's the time zone. It's the body clock. Yeah. Well, that's that doesn't worse. Help. I mean, I look, I'm not the largest human being in the world, but being jammed in an airplane seat isn't fun. So the oh, fewer it's hours is possible. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, that's it's great. But, uh, oh, boy. Got some earth debates in the... Uh, Oh, do we just start spark a, spark a flat Earth thing? Maybe. Look, I'm, there's things we can all have a reasoned debate about, and you know, but no, it's probably not one. Of if them. you're a flat Earther, you're wrong. There's no room for wiggle. There's no, you know, I respect your opinion. You're wrong. You're ill-educated. You need to get better information. That's the end of that. So Seattle by three and a half. Uh huh. There's a matchup in here. We've talked a lot about the Seattle rookie class. You got Abe Lucas and uh, Charles Cross, the two rookie tackles. Want to see Abe in particular against Max Crosby? He is the best graded rookie uh, tackle in pass protection this season. Abe Lucas. Yeah, I, I think you know we we spend so much time discussing the draft and then so little time rehashing all those takes. I think you know, but how how often did we talk about Mike Leach? tackles and hmm. air raid tackles and how they translate to the nfl well abe lucas was an air like air raid tackle basically at washington was recruited as such as was um charles cross charles cross and they've both had a pretty good start to their career yeah and um when you talk about and there wasn't a good record of particularly mike leach offensive tackles right translating to the andre diller joe Dahl, like a lot of guys who had just performed well in college and not in the nfl so Again, I, th- I think Seattle's rookie class is the story here. Um, Derek Carr versus Geno Smith. Geno's having a better season. He's playing better. I think it's always a question: Is he going to come back down to earth? Is he going to is he going to regress back into what we thought Geno Smith was? Can he play top five ball this entire season? That remains to be seen. If he does, once again, Seattle Seattle's a dangerous team. Very, very dangerous team. They made a comeback against the Bucks a couple weeks ago. Fell a little bit short, but. They still have the ability to uh, to put up points in the pass game with DK, with Lockett, and the way Geno's been playing behind that pretty good pass-blocking offensive line. Yeah. Um, I, the the Geno Smith thing it continues to amaze me. I mean, that's that's one of the most uh, ridiculous stories. When you, th- you sort of rewind and you always think, all right, we're 11, 12 weeks into this thing. If you went back in time to preseason and told somebody what the dynamic is right now, how insane would they think it is? Like Russell Wilson playing as badly as he has. The fact that Geno Smith has been playing like a top 10, top five quarterback this season would be absolutely mind-blowing that he hasn't really had a bad game. Like he's had some not great games, but he hasn't had a stinker in there. Um, and even against the Bucks, like, okay, it didn't 
fire the way they wanted it to, but it's not like he was bad. So, I mean, Geno Smith does look for real. My biggest question for the Seahawks now, because I believe in Geno. Like, I believe Geno's going to be good enough, yeah. right? Doesn't mean he's going to be a 90 quarterback this year necessarily, but he'll be good enough the rest of the year. Seattle's defense went from atrocious to this three or four game stretch. When you compare that to who they played, they played Arizona twice, right? Played the Giants and they played the Chargers, played them really well. But they regressed back against the Bucs. They weren't very good on, you know, run defense, coverage wise. I, I don't know if Seattle's defense can keep it up. It's, it's a no-name bunch, much like the Titans, but without the same consistency and success. The other, I mean, the other thing is, have the Raiders discovered that <laughs> the, the solution is simply to throw the ball to Devontae Adams all the time? You know, because the last three weeks, yeah. he's had 17 targets, 12 targets, and 11 targets, and he's come up with 146 yards, 114 yards, and 141 yards, and five touchdowns. That's, you know, pretty, certainly for him, Simply feeding him the ball still works as well as it's ever worked. Yeah. Now, the question is, is that the best thing for the offense overall? And it's not like the offense has been lights out over that period of time. That's they, why they've I lost two of those games. That's why I don't think the situation with the Raiders is dire, right? Like, that's why I don't think we should be talking about Josh McDaniels being fired yet. Because they've had spurts where the run game was excellent. And Josh Jacobs has had a really good season. And they've relied on that. They've had spurts of Devontae Adams. I think the pieces are there. But isn't it concerning that in that run of, hey, let's just feed our best player, they've scored 20 points, 20 points, and then one with 22 and a walk-off touchdown in overtime. Oh, yeah, like, it's concerning. The but, fact that they've, the fact that, that is the obvious thing to do, just load up the best player, and you still don't score is a problem. I, I just think the pieces are there. To have Devontae Adams, to have Josh Jacobs, to have everything firing. The pieces are there. Plus, Tom Brady just played the Seahawks. They, you know, they exploited their coverages pretty well. Brady and McDaniels are going to talk. Are they? They give secrets during the... Yeah, they're buddies still, I think. Watch, they're going to talk during Brady's bye. Hmm. McDaniels is going to take everything that the Bucks did two weeks ago and exploit the Seattle defense. I like the Raiders in this one. Okay. Cover the three and a half. Maybe I pull the upset. like Seattle because I have no faith whatsoever in the Raiders' offense. In my picks. That too. New Orleans Saints at the San Francisco 49ers. Ooh, we're in San Francisco. Niners by nine here. Yeah. Niners looked, uh, looked good the other night. Niners looked like a Super Bowl team in that game. We've got um, – I didn't go back and specifically look at Jimmy Garoppolo's grade, but we got some questions. Why is a guy with a 134 passer rating – you know, with a, just a pretty good game grade the other night because he's jimmy garoppolo like how much of that do you think was on him i mean i just look at george kittle running through the defense debo samuel running like, debo samuel running through like the how what percentage was yak the other night 65 percent of jimmy g's yards yeah came after the this catch isn't that, that, was a, that was the third highest for him on the season right it's a standard jimmy garoppolo game it's tin cup out here making magic happen with all these unstoppable weapons like what how does that need ex explaining? Did he even have a completion? He had three completions, two completions beyond the line of scrimmage <laughs> the other night. Yeah. In 139 passer rating or whatever it was. Uh -huh. Now, the one that he made, I loved the 39-yarder that Jimmy Garoppolo had to uh, George Kittle, yeah. where he scrambled, you know, stepped up in the pocket and created outside of structure. Mm -hmm. That is... You like to use the paint by numbers a little bit. You know, he went off script here. He wasn't just paint because like, Jimmy Garoppolo does that whole paint by numbers, right? You give me this, give me the read, I'll execute it, I'll get the ball to the right guy, and all that fun stuff. I'll throw it to the defense every now and again. This was off script. This was scramble drill. Finds George Kittle, 
this is what happens with the Cardinals a lot though, right? A lot of our angst when we're trying to explain our grades is games against the Cardinals defense because they don't tackle well. Mm. They give up these big plays, right? And offense and quarterback stats are not all the quarterbacks. They also, the Cardinals seem to have like, they drafted all these matchup players on defense. You know, we, we the league is going, the league is assembling this group of matchup problem offensive playmakers. You know, Christian McCaffrey's, George Kittles, Debo Samuels, Brandon Ayuk, all these guys that can line up anywhere and cause problems everywhere. So we'll draft an entire defense full of those guys. We'll go get Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker and uh, Zayvon Collins, and we'll just be able to match up, you know? And none of them can. Like, Buda Baker is their best player on defense and has no shot of matching up with any of those guys. Yeah. So it's like, well, what, what is the purpose of this defense? You've got all these guys that are supposedly matchup neutralizers on the defensive side of the ball, and none of them can. So all you did was slightly dilute the impact of the offense. Yeah. Which is not, not good enough. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like a, a sort of, it feels like a plan that had logic behind it. It's just been proven to be a better plan on paper than it was in reality. I, I thought for San Francisco the other night, though, I, I have always disagreed with your point that, like, you need everybody firing on all cylinders to make it work. I thought the other night it was Arizona, mm-hmm. a bad defense. But the other night was a perfect example of everybody being a part of the offense. I, you know, McCaffrey, what did Christian McCaffrey do? He caught a whole bunch of checkdowns. He's good at catching checkdowns, turning it up fields, turning four into nine, right? Turning three into 10, whatever it was. McCaffrey was used. They schemed some stuff up for him. They had the one-on-one with Zayvon Collins. He beats him for a slant. But this kind of what? This was everybody firing. That was, this was the game that they don't have every week. This was the game. They put up 38 points. George Kittle has his two touchdowns. Debo gets his rushing touchdown. McCaffrey catches a bunch for like 70 yards, has a couple of runs as well tonight. Like this, everybody fired. Do you think this was everybody firing? Uh, who didn't fire? Who misfired? Or Debo stats? Debo had three rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown. Uh, what did he have receiving? Seven catches for 57 yards. So, so everybody was involved. I, you, but, I, <laughs> but I don't think everybody has to put up stats every week, I guess is my point. This was kind of like, hey, they, they exploited some matchups with McCaffrey. Ayuk was fantastic after the catch. And but had this is the game touchdowns. that I've been saying. Like, if this happened every week, uh, like I said, the 49ers looked like a Super Bowl team in that game. If that happened every week, yeah. they, would be one of the, they would be a Super Bowl team. Like, they would be the favorite. We wouldn't be talking about, hey, the Eagles are 9-1 and one and wobbling. We'd be like, dude, the Eagles can't hang with the 49ers. Their defense can't stop this. Nobody can. They'd be Miami. Like, that's what we would be talking about here. But it doesn't. It happened against the Cardinals, who have this weird matchup defense that can't match up with anybody. And it was like the high end of what we see every week. The Garoppolo explanation, though, again, is, you know, you throw a pass in the flat for George Kittle, who runs through the defense for 39 yards. Brandon Ayuk on a little five-yard in runs through two defenders for a touchdown. I mean, that's where the stats don't match up. Did Garoppolo play well, distribute, blah, 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 all that stuff? Yeah, but the results of those decisions are really, really, really good for his stats, not necessarily in line with the actual decisions. Yes. Uh, This was... Yeah, this was a game-managing performance from Jimmy Garoppolo outside of, like, the one play that you're talking about in which, the ma- like, the thing you were managing happened to be amazing. Like, you, it, you know, you didn't do an awful lot there. Yeah. I don't understand why. And that's not – but that's 
but again, this isn't, it's not a knock on Garoppolo. It's not, because some people just completely misunderstand this. We're not downgrading Garoppolo for any of this stuff. We're just saying he did his job and the results of his job were awesome because George Kittle was awesome and Brandon Ayuk was awesome and all these other guys were creating after the catch awesome. If you're a 49ers fan, you should be really excited about that. There's 20 plus quarterbacks that could have had the same performance as Jimmy Garoppolo in that game, wound up with 132 passer rating and would have had the same grade. Like this was not a Jimmy Garoppolo driven dominant performance. So all that said, you should be really excited if you're the Niners because those are the types of games I think that you're capable of. And then defensively, they look good again at, well, Cole McCoy, whatever you want to say, but Niners making plays, rushing the passer, yeah, making, uh, you know, forcing tight window throws and the whole deal. Anyway, spinning it forward to this game, the Saints are screwed because their offensive line is in ribbons. 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 Yeah. Torn to ribbons. Yeah. Not great. This is the Andy Dalton regression game. It's coming off a good one against the Rams. I mean, yeah, the Saints were another one of those teams. Their offensive line wasn't great to begin with, and now they've been forced into the bench at multiple spots, and the guys on the bench are worse than the guys who were starting. So, problems. Um, Ryan Ramchek is still one of the best right tackles in the NFL, but right now he might be the only viable starter out of five. So, you know, the left tackle was supposed to be Trevor Penning preseason. He got hurt with his toe injury. He's been on the, the cart, the wheel thing, like the the injured knee scooter that offensive linemen have to cruise around in. Yeah. He's getting back off that, but he's still not back yet. Um, James Hurst had actually been doing a really good job at tackle, so they had two pretty good tackles and a disaster in, inside. Hurst is hurt now. Um, and then the interior guys have been injured as well, so you don't even have a bad Andrus Pete at left guard. And you, you are left guard. You've got a bad Calvin Throckmorton at left guard. So, Man, the 49ers defensive line, Nick Bosa getting to choose where he goes up against, like that just feels like a, like how does that Saints offense even function? Sounds like you're taking the Niners by nine. Yes. All right. I want to do that too. God damn it. I'm going to start picking the opposite of you, but, but, the, <sighs> but I feel like I'm doing it just to, just to not piss you off. Yeah. I can't make my decisions just to not. I, I don't even care what my decisions are. But I'm, I'm not. My, because... my season's lost. I'm <laughs> I'm going to tank for next year's first round. I'll just take New Orleans. Tanking is going to give you, like, that's where you end up with a great record again. If you tank for the rest of the season, you might be able to actually crawl your way back to a positive win yeah. differential. That's like Jim Mercer bringing in Jeff Saturday. And then winning. Thinking he's going to tank. Yeah. And then Jeff's over there turning things around. Jeff, Jeff Saturday is tank proof. Speaking of Jeff Saturday. Segway. So we're going to go out of order based off the document because I was just talking about Jeff Saturday. Okay. Saturday returns to ESPN. Mm. Monday night football. Saturday Pittsburgh Steelers night. at the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Saturday on Monday night. It's confusing. Saturday on Monday night, Steelers, Colts. Yeah. I love NFL football, Sam. I absolutely love it. <laughs> but they're the, maybe the worst game played in the modern era was last year's Steelers-Browns Monday night football game. Okay. Where, remember, Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger were both averaging about three yards per attempt. Yeah. It just, that was the first game I think I, the first Monday night game I like fell asleep during. Um, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen. I watched you know, three quarters of it, took a little nap. Could this be worse? Steelers-Colts Monday night football. Um, I'm just kidding, everybody should watch it. It's gonna be a great game. I'm Colts curious. by two and a half. Is this a game where the Colts' offensive line comes back down to earth properly? Because one thing that has happened is since Jeff Saturday came in, their offensive line has looked better. Um, it looked a lot better the first game and then not quite so much last week. But 
it's still actually been functional in a way that it wasn't previously. So all of a sudden, they're able to run the ball a bit more with Jonathan Taylor. They're able to have Matt Ryan function as a passing quarterback behind a line that can at least hold up. Um, but now you have the Steelers coming, uh, not coming to town, yeah, coming to town, um, who are different with T.J. Watt back in the lineup. So Braden Smith at right tackle is going to have a, the hardest challenge he's had this season against T.J. Watt. Um, Cameron Hayward performs differently when T.J. Watt is there because the dynamic of the blocking is different. You don't focus everything on Cameron Hayward. He'll be going up against Quentin Nelson, who hasn't looked like Quentin Nelson this season. So the, the Steelers' defensive front, I think, can cause problems for this Colts offensive line. If that goes back to being bad, I mean, the Colts stink again, right? That's a great. That's a great point, right? If uh, was Saturday a part of the of the fix there? Um, I also made the point on Monday show, the Colts aren't as bad as they felt for much of the season. Yeah, I mean that was the They're thing. Not in all that this, bad is that they cleaned house, fired everybody, and they weren't. They were like a couple of games out of the seventh wild card spot. I mean, when Matt Ryan was the quarterback, we were we've definitely we were definitely on here saying the poor guy's under a ridiculous amount of pressure. He cannot handle pressure at all. It's, it's a train wreck when Matt Ryan tries to do anything with guys in his face over the last few years. That's just the reality of it. But it, that got multiplied by a million once Sam Ellinger was back there, particularly against the Patriots. So it felt like the Colts had hit rock bottom, but they're 4-6-1. And, and Matt Ryan is still, if you do keep him upright, capable of hitting open throws enough. Yeah. So... The Colts are somewhere in between this, you know, train wreck, got a got a clean house, and also, hey, they've got some serious issues that could be exploited in any given week, and they can look terrible. But any any other week, you know, they're not too bad, I guess. Against the Steelers, where they're they're just looking for signs of life with this offense. I, I don't know what to make of the Steelers' offense. That just yeah, they were better last week, and Najee Harris found the end zone a couple times. You got George Pickens on a deep crosser for a touchdown. But they're still just so inconsistent on on that side of the ball. Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett's just meh so far, <laughs> right? Which is better than other quarterbacks, right? I mean, honestly, he's played better than well, certainly better than Zach Wilson. But like mm-hmm. Kenny, the start to Kenny Pickett's career, I think, has been better than what Justin Fields showed. Probably better than what similar to maybe Trevor Lawrence last year. But there, he doesn't have the same physical tools to say. Hey, good start. It's going to get better. We just this could just be it for Kenny Pickett. Who knows? It's also perfectly in keeping with a quarterback class that nobody liked. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people that knew quarterback play and were sort of smart guys looked at this and said Kenny Pickett is the only one of these rookies that has any shot to succeed at the next level, any shot. And I don't even like Pickett. You know, that was something I heard a lot from people was that he's the only guy I would even think about, and I don't even like him. You know. That's kind of what we're looking at, right? Which is, okay, you can see it. There's a way. Like, he's made some nice plays. There's a few big-time throws in there. He's able to unlock something slightly different from Mitchell Trubisky. But he's, like, averaging at least one turnover-worthy play a game. They tend to be terrible. They tend to come at pretty bad times. And the overall net of this is is kind of eh, your your concern with Pickett was the over three second average time to throw in college he's yeah closing in on that last couple games have been over three which is something that didn't like he that was gone in preseason remember it was like they almost sent him out there with the express brief of quick whatever you do 
get the ball out of your hands immediately because that's our question. If you can do that, now we can start talking about you running with the first-team offense and taking the job from Mitchell Trubisky. Since he got the job, it's been skewing back in that direction, you know? Yeah, so that, that's my thing with Pickett. I mean, it's kind of similar to the Zach Wilson analysis, which is like, man, you should be working so much faster for your style. Pickett does scramble a little bit. You know, he, he, he's done some nice things with his legs. He's um, QB sneaks, but also just as a scrambler. So, yeah, I mean, just continue to watch Kenny Pickett's development here. Colts defense is solid. Going up again, he'll face cover three. They'll, you know, he'll know what he's facing, and you just got to go out there and execute. So, Another time to evaluate Pickett, and I think to your point, get to see T.J. Watt in that pass rush against this Colts offensive line. Mm-hmm. Colts by two and a half. Jeff Saturday favored here as he returns to ESPN where everybody loved him. <laughs> as he returns to ESPN. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers. I'll take Indy. Sweet. Great. Love it. Yeah, I should have gone first again. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ravens favored by four here in Jacksonville. This isn't the 2000 Ravens going up against Mark Brunel and Jimmy Smith, where Jimmy Smith goes for 15 catches for 291 against the vaunted 2000 Ravens defense. It's, it's, it's not that game. It's not. It's Lamar. It's the, it's the Ravens, their, their defense that continues to get better against uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacks. Instead of Mark Brunel to Jimmy Smith, it's Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones. Christian Kirk, maybe. Okay. Zay Jones. Or is Kirk more Keenan McArdle? <laughs> neither. It's neither. Okay. Yeah. Neither. He's not. He's not a lot like either of them. Yeah. Four points for the Jags. Uh, Lawrence, somewhat quietly. They're coming off a bye here, but back-to-back games above eighty. Yeah. Right? So here's the, here's this is a good one of those. Like, okay, signs of life. Impressive. Litmus Steps test. Forward. There you go. Now do it against Baltimore. You know, Baltimore, who, as you said, like they're not the defenses that we know and think and, and think of them as over the last decade plus. Like it's not this this vintage Baltimore defense uh, but it's moving in the right direction yeah. with the additions that they've got guys like Roquan Smith the potential improvement of Patrick Queen they've got this like rotation of defensive linemen and edge rushers who maybe none of them are amazing but somehow combined it, it works like Justin Houston at his age uh, contrasted with Adafi Owe the young absurdly athletic you know, the combination of all those guys is functioning um so I think it's a good test for Trevor Lawrence. Like, if, if the improvement thing doesn't hold against a team like Baltimore, it's not really for real, you know? And it's a tough test, but, like, this is – it's a tough test, but it's not like you're going up against the best defense we've ever seen, you know, where you see, like, okay, it, it makes sense that you didn't do well here. It's the kind of test that you need to pass if you're going to be the guy you're supposed to be. To your point, the Ravens have seven players with at least 10 pressures. No one has more than 28, though. Owe leads with 28. Justin Houston, 25. Justin Matabuike, 22. Calais Campbell with 22. Patrick Queen as a linebacker with 15. They have done a nice job. That's been his, the best part of his game. Athletic, blitzing, five sacks. Jason Pierre-Paul has 12. They just got Tyus Bowser back a couple weeks ago. He's got a few. So the, the Ravens have, have done a really good job, I think, um, piecing it together from a pass rush standpoint. And then, you know, their defense feels much better this year just because you have, you've had Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey for the majority of the season. Um, I don't know if they have the depth back there, but they've, they're just, they're not as depleted as they were last year from a defensive back standpoint. I like the way they've been deploying Kyle Hamilton in recent weeks, the rookie. They've 
limited his snaps at times, but he's been a he's been a pass game weapon. They they find ways to blitz him. He's he's uh, flying around the field on uh, underneath passes and not missing tackles like he was during the preseason and early this year. So the Ravens feel like this defense. You got Roquan Smith coming in. There's an influx of athletic potential playmakers that they have. Um, guys coming in or guys like uh, Kyle Hamilton who are still young and can get better. The potential's there for the Ravens defense to take a huge step this second half of the season and feel strong going into the playoffs, right? The Ravens have the potential to finish the season strong and feel like, as uh, Nick Wright said last week, this is the team. Mm. Like, this is the team that the Chiefs should be fearing. All that said, they did just trudge through a win <laughs> against Carolina last week, but I don't know how to judge Carolina in that sense. They've had a few games where they've played teams tough. Other times they've looked disastrous, so I don't want to hold that too much against the Ravens, but Ravens have all the pieces, man. They do, really and good. it feels like this is when Baltimore starts to play better, generally. Like, they didn't last year, but it was because everybody got hurt, you know? But generally, this is when, I think, well-coached teams. I think people talk a lot about how the season actually breaks down. It's like the first third of the year, where nobody really has any idea what they're doing. They sort of show up, this is the plan. And then the next third is about figuring out exactly where you are. And then the final third is, right, now we know what we are, we know what everybody else is, adjustment time now you make your adjustments and you go on the run you try and become what you're supposed to be over the rest of the season I think that final third is when well-coached teams start to separate themselves from everybody else because they've been there before they understand what it takes they understand the changes that they need to make they understand the changes that other people are making and that's when you start to see the separation between well-coached sides and sides that were just hanging on for a while and that feels like when Baltimore starts to really separate themselves from these other chasing teams. Uh, left tackle Ronnie Stanley for the Ravens. Um, also Kyle Hamilton, who got banged up the other day. Both are, quote, trending in the right direction. Yeah, for, it sounds uh, like Stanley dodged a bullet Harper. with that. That looked like it could have been catastrophic. Yeah, I mean, and that's a big one. We mentioned the, the left tackle situation in Baltimore quite a bit because they've had a revolving door there until Stanley came back this season. But facing the Jaguars pass rush, which is – any given week, they've got potential to, to just be really good up front. So as far as this one goes, yes, big test for Trevor Lawrence. Want to see if he can keep it going. And if he finishes the season on a strong note, now we're talking about the Jags going into next year with some momentum and feeling much better about their situation going forward. What are the Jags, four and six? Is that right? Are they worse? Three and seven. Got to compare them to the 96. The 96 Jags. I think it was four and six when they uh, four and seven and they won out to win the, to make it to the playoffs does this jaguars team have that i think i say this every year when they're sitting there at, with their losing record can they win out like the 96 jacks and make the playoffs no no they can't next yeah. you taking baltimore in this one yeah i'll take baltimore as well hmm cover the four see i'm going i'm i'm now i'm getting them in first i, I you got in my head you're messing me up i'm just gonna make my pick and be move on oh good if i i mean if i if my picks can't be good i might as well screw yours up too mm. los angeles rams at the kansas city chiefs chiefs by 14 and a half yeah that's another one of those ones you go back to preseason tell people that the chiefs would be 14 and a half point favorites against the the defending super bowl champion rams i, I saw you tweet that yeah it would be insane. First tweet I saw of you for two years. Two years, yeah. It's a good tweet. I mean, crazy, right? And it makes sense. I mean, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's a figure. You're like, ah, that, that line's just wrong. 
Yeah. yeah, they should be two touchdown favorites. And by the way, that might get even worse if the Stafford thing, you know, if it turns out immediately that Stafford is not playing in this game and we got to go through a whole game with a backup quarterback, it, the line's even further, right? Oh, man. Yeah. So it is, it is a tough pill to swallow thinking about Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are on a side of the ball where they're 14 and a half point underdogs. Because as much as the Rams are not a good team this year, everything's falling apart offensively, they have these pieces on the defensive side of the ball. They have these stars. They have Bobby Wagner over there. They have good players. But as we highlighted in particular last week on the preview show, the complementary pieces around Aaron Donald on the defensive line have not played well this season. And it, it's still just, it's a couple players, right? They were, those, those stars were fantastic last year but everyone else around them played complimentary football extremely well. The Rams are not getting that defensively this year. Offensively, the offensive line, absolute disaster. How do you, how do you block Chris Jones? How do you block Can't. the Chiefs' defensive front? Right, That's going to be a massive challenge, whether Stafford's in or not. It really just, I mean, you read out what their offensive line is right now, and, and it's not even this consistently because it's been chopping and changing every week with new injuries, but the starting five in theory for this game will be Ty Zeki at left tackle, who was like your favorite swing tackle like a decade ago, you know? But right now, you can't really do that anymore, and even if you can, you can't be trusted to last the game without going down. When he went down last week, it was Bobby Evans, who's a bad guard playing left tackle. Um, Matt Skura, left guard. Coleman Shelton now at center. Ode Abushi, that's actually, okay, fine. Uh, right guard. And then Rob Havenstein, the, the one, again, the one viable offensive lineman that's held up all season and been fine. That's, that's just not an offensive line that should be in the NFL. It isn't. It's not five viable starters. Um, so, not so nothing on the offense functions. Like the entire system, the genius of Sean McVay's offense is built off the idea of being able to execute several fundamental things to a reasonable level. And if they can't, Nothing works. Nothing. And the only thing that was working before was, well, okay, if we can't do anything else, let's get the ball very quickly into Cooper Cup's hands. Well, now he's not there, and the guy that was getting it to, into his hands is potentially not there either. So what, is, what are we left with? I, I think you overstate that it's like a Sean McVay thing. I don't think any offense operates with this level of No, but their offensive line, function a lot better than this one without – good offense I think lines. what we've seen though is McVay has just randomly had two seasons where the offensive line was not just it didn't just regress it regressed into the worst in the league it in wasn't 2019 the, I don't think it was year. the worst in the league in 2019 it, was it is this it was, year we, we ranked it 30th to 31st that year I mean it wasn't whatever the Dolphins had that year I believe and right other, you know, but that's else was a perfect bad. example right Miami's offense was not as wretched as the Rams is right now when their offense was or when their offensive line was not just bad but historically bad um as uh, supreme underdogs, the Rams, if, if, if Stafford can play, it's uh, chuck it up to 2-2 Atwell again. Need more 65-yarders from him. I mean, you, you just, we keep saying YOLO, chuck it. Stafford, before he got hurt, three big-time throws. One of them was dropped. He started to actually push the ball down the field pretty well. Um, then he got hurt. Mm. But, like, that's, I'm, I'm, Every week against the Chiefs, I think I try to paint this picture of like, okay, how do you, how do you pull this off? All the stars need to play like stars, right? Like Aaron Donald needs a strip sack, right? They need to not only put pressure on Mahomes, but, but, but Mahomes just unbelievable at sack avoidance, right? For, for the style that Mahomes plays, which is predicated on making plays inside, outside the pocket, 
looking for the big play when it's there. He doesn't take those negative plays. I mean, if it, that's the thing that has separated Mahomes from even early career Aaron Rodgers or MVP caliber Aaron Rodgers is not not taking negative plays, not putting the ball in harm's way nearly as much as as other quarterbacks that play that style. And the but the Rams need to find a way to get him to the ground, force a fumble, some sort of turnover. That's the problem: is his efficiency on the plays where they should be hardest. You know, obvious passing situations, um, third and long, like all the all the situations where defenses are generally favored, they're not against Mahomes. Somehow that's when he's at his best. So the Chargers game is a perfect example. Like they kept getting him into these ugly third situ- third down situations, and every one of them he would just go, "Oh, okay, third and 17, Travis Kelsey, gotcha, boom." God, now you got to or Justin Watson, right? But now you don't just have to find one more play. Now you got to find three more to get him into that situation in the first place. Right. It's like it's just too hard for a defense. It really is. It's hard enough to get them into third and long, and yeah. then when you just negate that success, it, right? It's with hard enough to just execute the one play when you get him into that tough situation in the first place. But then every time he makes one of those plays, now you got to set it up again. Now you got to win two more times just to put him in the ugly situation to give yourself the chance to execute one time to get them off the field. And that's assuming it's not fourth down where they decide they're going to go for it and kill you anyway. I, I can only imagine playing, a de- playing defense against Patrick Mahomes must be one of the most demoralizing things you can possibly do. Um, it's like, I think there's a, playing cornerback is, I think is a really difficult thing in the NFL mentally. That's why these guys are all deranged and they're like celebrating after there's an overthrow and stuff because you, it's very difficult, I think, to put yourself in the headspace where the guy you're guarding is going to win several times, and you just have to accept that and move on. You know, it's like you're yeah. still doing a good job if you limit him to three big plays in the game. It's why I think like basketball is a weird headspace thing because you have to accept that the guy you're guarding is going to make a dozen plays minimum, right? As opposed to you play certain other positions, you can realistically expect to completely shut down the guy you're you're going up against basketball you just have to be like i can be amazing and the guy's still going to get 20 points or whatever cornerback i think is similar and like defense for playing patrick mahomes has to be the same headspace psychologically where you have to somehow convince yourself that we're still doing a good job if he only beats us 50 percent of the time on these tough situations you know i thought chris chris had a good line from brandon staley where uh, Staley always makes these basketball comparisons about calling timeout to kill momentum. And he's like, you can't do that in football because Mahomes gets on this incredible roll. He gets on rolls, man. He gets these, I think a lot of quarterbacks do this, but like Mahomes the other night missed like three straight throws. You do get these streaks, but when he's on, he's on, right? He'll hit this little lull in a game sometimes, but when he's on, it's tough. And Staley's like, well, you need a play call to stop the momentum. And momentum not, you know what I mean? to, to right. create a bad play, not momentum, this like anti-analytics, no momentum thing. You need a play call to get them into third and long, to get them, in. but then again, does that even matter? Like you're saying, that's what's really challenging because when they're good, they're really good. And that's like, the key is you almost have to, if he has that lull, where he, three plays, where he makes a mess of it. The three plays, one of those could still be like a, you know, a, a not great play from Mahomes, it ends up being rescued by somebody else, and all of a sudden, you're still they still keep the drive alive. You know, you almost have to like if they if he hits one of those lulls where he doesn't execute for a couple of plays, if you don't take advantage of that, you're screwed. I mean, that's that's why I think there have been people who 
look at Mahomes grades and it's like why is he not a 90 every single game because it is a combination of Mahomes is awesome and incredible but also the offense is right also when Mahomes isn't playing well shallow crosses to Travis Kelsey become touchdowns right like a little four-yard pass becomes a 30-yard touchdown this offense has schemed up passes it's got a Kelsey playmaker who just can take over and, and create big plays and Mahomes who's gonna usually execute it find the open receiver and also make special plays that, that's when you add it all up it's like all right good luck stop the Chiefs um, overall though one of Mahomes most impressive seasons I think because of losing Tyreek Hill it's as good as anything we've seen since that 2018 since year, 2018 I, yes I agree or, or like a couple of those playoff runs and but Mahomes is playing a really good brand of football this year with 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 a different group and I think that answered a bunch of questions about him right and, would this slow him down no yeah. it's not and by the way the Chiefs are starting to emerge as the Chiefs again like this whole the narrative preseason and for much of the early part of the season was Buffalo's the best team in the NFL. Then it was Philadelphia's undefeated and just quietly taken away in the background was Kansas City and, the, and Mahomes, you know, doing what they do and hanging around. And now they start to look really good. Like they, Buffalo is still the betting favorite, by the way, for the Super Bowl. And yet right now, I think you're starting to look at this and saying, I... I'm more, if I'm a random AFC team or even an NFC team, I would want to face Buffalo before I face Kansas City in the Super Bowl based off what I know right now. This isn't the biggest test for Kansas City. The Rams are depleted two weeks, though. They play the Bengals, the yep. team that beat them twice last year. That'll be another litmus test for them There you go. on the way here. So uh, you taking who are you taking here? Uh, 14 and a half Chiefs are favorite. Kansas City covering all of the points. I'll take the Chiefs as well. We might actually see uh, Bryce Perkins play and that'll certainly be a factor Houston Texans at the Miami Dolphins Dolphins coming off there by favored by 13 against the Houston Texans we did cover Davis Mills situation on the daily the other day a few Texans fans really liked our discussion there about Davis Mills um, as of right now he has not been benched but Lovey Smith was hinting at Kyle Allen mm. potentially being the starter here going forward for the Texans I don't know that it matters that much um, Miami's offense could put up 50 against Houston's defense. Miami's offense is unstoppable right now. It's the best offense in the NFL. If you throw out times where Tua hasn't been the quarterback, Tua plus Tyreek Hill plus Jalen Waddell plus the run game plus Mike McDaniels or Mike McDaniel, everything is amazing. And Houston is the opposite of that on defense. Like their, their defense is not good. They're not great at stopping the run. They don't have impact pass rushers. The back end, you know, Derek Stingley, I think, looks good, but he looks good in that way that young corners often do where you're almost making plays a lot of the time, but almost making plays a corner is giving up plays. And he and missed last week. He's still dealing with a hamstring. Yeah, so the secondary just doesn't have enough to bring to the table. I, I, good, or good defenses have nothing to offer this Miami offense right now. A bad defense is just going to get blitzkrieged. All right, well, I agree with that part. I mean, I agree with Miami's offense and what they're going to do, and I think, you know, Tua's going to continue to to play well with with everything he has there, as long as he doesn't fall back into throwing the ball into harm's way, which he's he's been so much better at these last few weeks. If Kyle Allen does play, I think I might just be betting on a little uh, backup QB bump. <laughs> a backup QB bump. But like, All right. Our, our criticism of Davis Mills or the Texans was be more aggressive. 
don't play game manager when you don't have a game to manage, right? You're you're pro you're probably going to lose. So increase variance to give yourself a chance to win. If there's one thing Kyle Allen can do, it's increase variance. Over 5% turnover-worthy play rate in his career. But he's had, remember, Kyle Allen had enough of those good games, former fifth, former five-star quarterback, good arm. You know, he had enough of those games for big-time throw type of games where it's like, oh, this guy could be a future starter. He, I mean, he turned back into a pumpkin the next week, but in, you know, one-off situations, Kyle Allen can do some stuff. The over-under for this game is 46. I, somebody give me odds on Miami covering the over just on them, just there themselves. I would, I would. You think they're just going to. I would throw a bet on Miami covering 46, let alone the game covering 46. What's the app like? PFF app. Be sure to check it out in the app store. PFF app also tends to like the over here. Yeah. In the Texans Dolphins game. Justifiably. I mean, honestly, I think I'm being fairly harsh on Houston's defense. You are. They haven't given up a million points in a lot of games, but I just hate their matchup against this Miami offense. I hate most teams match up against this. I Miami hear you offense. talking Dolphins every week. I, I, I hear how all in you are. Yeah. That hypothetical game that doesn't exist where they play the Chiefs that's not on their schedule until the playoffs. The playoffs. It's, uh, I feel like you might be leaning Dolphins in that one. Oh, I don't know how I go that far. But I do think it's like that's looming. As much as everybody says, or as much as the betting markets still favor Buffalo and everybody is waiting for that Kansas City Buffalo rematch in the playoffs, I wouldn't rule out the idea that Miami makes a mess of that and forces a different matchup. All right. So I think you're taking Miami here to cover the 13. Yes. I'll go Houston, assuming Kyle Allen, I'm taking Houston. Okay. Davis Mills, I would take Miami. All right. Like Kyle Allen's going to have that game that, that just keeps him close. Given your, uh, <laughs> given your results this year, I think we can give you that stipulation. You can put it in the little margin there. I didn't make a uh, scoregami call here. True. This week. You can make one the next game. It's perfect scoregami game. Oh, it's, it, but it feels like I make scoregami calls on Denver all the time. Yeah. That's what makes it fun. They're the perfect scoregami team. Seven to four. Broncos over the, over the Panthers to cover the two and a half. Uh, Broncos, Panthers. Broncos favored by two and a half, traveling to Carolina, who has declared Sam Darnold as the starter at quarterback. Uh, is there a more depressing quarterback situation in the NFL this year than Carolina? Yeah. I don't. I don't love Twitter overall, but every now and again, you just you just get like a few funny lines or things that I wouldn't have thought of before. And I think it was a fantasy person who said something to the effect of we've we've now come full circle where like you know, they're always talking about DJ Moore and his his quarterback that's going to help his fantasy stats. And it's like, get we need some upgrade over Sam Darnold. Right. He's got to be in a better situation. And now it's like final <sighs> sigh of relief. Sam Darnold's back for DJ Moore. Like that's how bad like that's how bad and inconsistent it's been going from Baker Mayfield, inconsistency of PJ Walker to Darnold's back. This feels like the upgrade that we needed. That that's, was the, that was the thing they were trying to move on from. Yeah. It's like we've reached the point in the season where they're just throwing anything out there and seeing does anything make this look work, look better? And it doesn't. And now you're throwing Sam Darnold out for his first game of the season against the Denver defense. So like what what do you expect this to look like? I'll get to the breaking news at the end of the show. 
Okay. Um, I'm always intrigued by Darnold. Always intrigued by him. Always. More Sam Darnold data points. I am not. I want to see what he can do here. Backup QB spark. Look, if Kyle Allen can create a spark, so can Sam Darnold. He's got the same QB coach. They both worked with Josh Allen in the offseason. You know? Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. I, can I can I predict Scorigami in this game? Yeah, you do can. Do I get the 10-game bump if I get it? You can have five. Five? Yeah. All right. Uh, Denver by a score of 18-9. to nine. 18 to 9? 18 to 9. Scorigami. All right. I'll take Carolina. Is it Scorigami? Is 11 to 9? Did we use that one? Uh, 11 to 9 is. N- it is Scorigami. I'll take 11 to 9. Okay. Steve. Oh, nice. We're both. Steve, Carolina, 11 to 9. Scorigami. Or 11 to nothing. Actually, that'd be good. 11 to nothing. Need a shout out. All right. Anything else on this game? Uh, I mean, look, Denver's defense is really good. Carolina's offense stinks. Sam Darnold is a bad football player. That feels like Carolina is going to really struggle to move the ball to score points. Russell Wilson and the Broncos, I think, are slowly, ever so slowly, inching in the right direction. Like Russ played Daniel Hackett week. giving up yeah. play calling is probably a significant thing. I think that the Denver offense will do okay. You know, Melvin Gordon isn't there to fumble it away in a critical situation anymore. Um, Melvin Gordon released this week, by the way. Yeah. So I think that their offense will kind of be okay. It won't be good, but it'll be okay, whereas the Panthers won't. Let's ride, Sam says. Stop it. Takes the Broncos. Take Carolina. What did... um? <laughs> Somebody put a message in the Monday chat that I didn't respond to the, on YouTube mm-hmm. that Russ, this is one of those like, it's so ridiculous it could be true, but it's probably not, that Russ was calling Seattle yeah, yeah. audibles or something like that. There's no way that's Bunch true. of players. Dalton Reisner, I think, was the one that I that jumps to mind, came out and said, that's absolutely not true. That's ridiculous. But it's one of those things like, I also wouldn't expect <laughs> Russell Wilson to be doing high knees on the flight to England, but you know, true. here we are. Let's just call it out Seattle plays. Let's pretend it's true. It's funny. Okay. All right. The breaking news here. Uh, just go back and redo all of our Bears-Jets analysis. Uh, Zach Wilson has officially been benched per Adam Schefter. Um, for whom? Do we have an answer on that? Like it matters. It's presumably Mike White, right? Like you can't. Surely. Surely. There's no way. <laughs> it's just funny because Joe Flacco, for whatever he is, yeah. wasn't a disaster earlier this year. And they did have this ridiculous comeback against the Browns, also, in part due to Flacco. Ye- but, yeah. And nothing changed other than a few weeks ago they were like, nah, Mike White's the backup the rest of the year. They also didn't win games other than that one. They did. They were one in, were they one two. and two. No, I get it. I mean, I, I understand. So he had one absurd, ridiculous, improbable comeback and two defeats. Who did they play week one? I thought he played well week one. Baltimore Ravens, where they scored nine yes, points. The Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals, where they scored 12 points. Yeah, but again, like Mike, it's not like Mike White has this ridiculous I See, this is my point. This is record. why I think it's very... This is why I think benching Zach Wilson should have been a last resort. It maybe was. Um because I don't see an op- I don't think either of the other alternative options are better long term. Maybe you get a one game bump where like it turns out Joe Flacco or Mike White can complete checkdowns 
and all of a sudden you have more than two yards in the what? second half. But the last thing we saw of Mike White was four interceptions and five point something yards per attempt. Go to the last thing we saw from Joe Flacco was getting no points and not doing an awful lot. Listen, listen, this is important. Go to prize picks right now. Let's get a, <laughs> it's a squeaky wheel game for Garrett Wilson. Squeaky okay? wheel game. Okay. So Garrett get to prize picks. Find his find his totals. Yeah. All right. Go over on everything. More. Yes. More, more yards. More, more for Garrett Wilson, a squeaky wheel and a quarterback change. Yes. Right? They're going to be like, Mike White, listen, you target Garrett Wilson 50% of the time. He's our guy. Garrett Wilson's got 12 catches coming this weekend. 12 for buck 50 against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Squeaky wheel game. Prize picks. To me, Garrett Wilson. I think this speaks to just how badly Zach Wilson torpedoed himself with that press conference stuff and the press conference not that on its own but that has to be emblematic or indicative of like his whole attitude or his whole leadership issue the fact that the locker room is going against him right now because this was a perfect get right spot for Zach Wilson this week the Bears defense they can't rush the passer he's garbage under pressure his numbers are actually pretty good when he's kept clean Um, like this was a perfect situation for if he couldn't do it against the Bears, then you bench him because if you can't do it against the Bears, you can't do it against anybody. Uh, if he did do it against the Bears, then none of the rest kind of matters, right? Because he's already, you're not going to get, he did okay. He fixed the things that were an issue. So the fact that they benched him heading into this game, I think has to speak to they've lost faith in him as a leader, as, a, as the quarterback, but in the broader sense, not just the guy that's throwing the ball to the rest of the players on the Jets I they're done with him in terms of leadership and attitude and his only shot at this point now is to use this as a reality check and fix that stuff behind the scenes Dan O had the uh had the take of course that if you bench him it's like you're giving up on him pretty much is I don't know that that's the case it's very hard to see a way back from a situation where in year two you're benched when your team's doing well. He's talking about it mentally, though. He's talking about it mentally. I mean, from a team-building standpoint, obviously, if he's bad enough that you can bench him in the middle of a 6-4 and four season, you're still going to be looking for another quarterback this offseason, and maybe you're, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's coming to town or whatever. But I don't think you're going to lose him mentally, right? If he's already that bad and he's already terrible at press conferences and all that stuff, this is going to make it worse. If anything, it's like, could make it better. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I just, it seems like a very difficult scenario to imagine him coming back from this in any way, whatever Here's, way you want to present it. Um, uh, our guy Timo just posted a chart too, using uh, opposing, opposing strength of pass defenses for the rest of the season. The Jets have by far the easiest remaining yeah. schedule. So talk about Zach Wilson but he's being set up to look really bad here right with um whoever the backup is not even declared yet there's no report on whether it's Mike White or Joe Flacco or, or maybe someone we haven't even thought of but the Jets apparently have the uh, easiest pass off or pass defense schedule remaining yeah like I'm, I'm torn on what that means like on the one hand it it's setting somebody else up to look a lot better but on the other hand it also again it speaks to just how bad things have gotten behind the scenes because it also was about to make Zach Wilson look much better, you know? And they've decided that despite that, it, we're better off with anybody else under center. Yeah. I don't think teams think that way, though, Sam. I don't what think they way? think the way we think. 
which is like they don't look at their schedule and like, oh, it's pretty easy. We should give him a chance to succeed. I don't think they look at that. No, like but you that. can't be looking at the schedule and not be aware of the fact that he's about to look a lot better than he just did in two games against the Patriots. And not just look a lot better, be a lot better. Like, that's yeah. the bigger point. No, the point it. is you look at that run of defenses and you say, okay, these are games where he should perform better, therefore we should win. Like, you, what you've done is look at a situation where you're probably going to win quite a few of those remaining games, putting yourself in a position for the playoffs and say, yeah, we're still better off benching him. That, that is significant. Who's going to trade for Zach Wilson at the end of this season? Nobody. There you go. How about Sam Darnold declared the starter on the week that Zach Wilson's benched? Wow. Nice little uh, symmetry. How about that? Yeah. Is he a ginger? Is there some... There's some... Darnold? Well, he's always the... By the way, Dalton, all the ginger talent. Yeah. Right Darnold is always this guy who I think we determined is not ginger, but looks it. He's the most ginger-looking non-ginger in the world. Yeah. Just wonder if there's some aspect there. Could Darnold's return affect Dalton? in the I mean, ginger game this week again it depends whether you give him credit for just looking ginger without actually being ginger we've done it before so anyway our thanksgiving show has come to an end is that all the games do we get everything hopefully Should i did miss, miss a game when i was putting these in i had to go check count them up so you've counted out five nine thirteen six, 16 games That's there we good. go there we go all right well thanks to everybody for tuning in happy uh, thanksgiving to everybody enjoy your entire day, your weekend, Black Friday, the whole deal. Enjoy all that stuff. Enjoy all the football. We'll keep the daily going. We'll have a Thanksgiving night recap on the daily. And then next week, we'll be back to uh, three shows. Mm -hmm. So appreciate everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back again on Monday morning reviewing all the Week 12 NFL action.